Hey, I'm Courtney, and this is my husband, Marshall. Hey, y'all. This month, we're going to be talking about Avatar, The Last Airbender on Netflix. The hype machine is here. We're going to welcome our very first guest host. Can't wait for y'all to meet her if you haven't already. We're going to catch up on what we've been watching and what we're excited for. And oh, yeah, did I mention Avatar, The Last Airbender on Netflix? Let's go! So sit back, relax, and let's chat on this February 2024 edition of Blurred Watchers. just a bit we're so excited welcome back ladies and gentlemen to the february 2024 episode of your friendly neighborhood blur watchers again my name is marshall my wife is courtney and we are here to bring you your monthly dose of blurdy goodness we are super excited um so avatar the last airbender comes out next week we will not be back um for a month and i think they're dropping all the episodes at the same time so next month our march episode will in inevitably be our avatar the last airbender review um Indeed. so super exciting we're here to talk about everything avatar we have our first uh co-host ever we've been you know we're four years old right <laughs> yeah blur watchers really fly, has flied flown by so <laughs> it's crazy to think we've been doing this for four years yeah it's um half it's our definitely. marriage isn't that crazy damn yeah yeah you're right okay well you know uh how it goes um so we just want to make sure that uh everything is on the up and up we're here how you feeling today babe I feel amazing. I'm ready to talk about Avatar The Last Ember and get into it with our co-hosts. I really want to know what their thoughts are on it. Well, first things first, uh, we did a Snap Trailer reaction, or we're doing a Snap Trailer reaction. We just watched the final trailer for Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, obviously season one. Uh, I do think it will get renewed for a second season, but let's talk real quick, babe. How did you feel about the final trailer? I mean... First off, I just thought it was beautiful. Mm. Um, I think it was colored, though, by a little bit of influence from social media, because I have seen a lot of people talking about it preemptively. <clears throat> and already before it's even come out, there seems to be a lot of people who are very skeptical about how it's going to be and if it's going to live up to the animation um, and people kind of already criticizing like the choices as far as like the actors and the makeup and um all of that so i am still fairly excited the trailer looked beautiful but also i don't know i'm kind of feeling like i'm holding myself back so that if i'm disappointed i'm not too disappointed yeah yeah for sure i mean it's definitely one of those things right where this is a beloved property the trailer the last trailer i thought was un was incredible but i thought the first trailer was really good too so um it's a beloved property there's going to be scrutiny there's going to be people who feel like wait things or decisions should have been made we already know the original creators left this project some years ago 
so, you know, it, there is a little bit of a, a, a shadow over what could be a really good adaptation. And ultimately, what I look for in these things is tone. Um, if you guys are, recall back to our uh, The Last of Us snap trailer reaction, that's what I was excited for. And I feel like that's what I'm excited for here. The tone seems good. It's a bunch of kids running around the world trying to save the world. And the actors seem like they've got their voices on point. The size of the actors is is appropriate. You know, Gordon Liu, who is playing um, Aang, is short, you know, just like Aang was in the comics. Uh, Sokka is the right height. Katara is the right height. Um, and, you know, we got a lot of good looks at some of the the stories or arcs that they're going to be adapting. So I'm really excited. We got to see Appa. We got to see King Boomy a little bit. We got to see Bending, mm-hmm. which was something that I was really curious about. And this project has been in post-production for so long, you would think that the Bending would be on point. And right now, it looks amazing. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, as far as... <clears throat> The trailer and the visuals, you know, as I said, it definitely didn't disappoint. So I would uh, love to see. I can't wait to see the actual acting and what they are going to do with the story. We're staying true to the original story, but maybe adding context in places where it was missing or uh, filling in any blanks that we were like, oh, I wonder what happened here. You know, they just left and we didn't see, you know, what would have been the result or anything like that. So it'll be interesting to see what changes they make and if they are are effective or just superfluous. Right, right. Yeah, I, I agree. So, I mean, what are your, what's your hype level, you know, right now for, for this project like if you could put her on the scale oh man can't you tell i'm like a 10 <laughs> just kidding i feel like i'm always pretty muted um <laughs> uh sorry i'm just sitting here laughing at myself y'all um i think my hype level mm, maybe i give myself like a six or a seven okay off the trailer right now i probably would go a little bit higher i'm probably like an 8.5 because i'm i'm you know I want to see if they do it right. And there's all there's already talk about certain things that we'll talk about later in the episode once we have our guests with us. But um, I, there's no way it's going to be perfect. So it's just kind of right now for me is like, OK, what parts are going to be off? And if there are certain parts that are off, I can probably be more OK with than others. So I just got to kind of see how it goes. And that's that's kind of where I'm at. But the 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 last question before we um before we move to our next segment, babe, is this seeming like the Game of Thrones that Netflix has been looking for? Mm, no, I would say that would be like um The Witcher. Hmm. Probably. Okay. So so the Witcher, I think, is a good Game of Thrones. I think that this has the potential to be a better Game of Thrones. Um, just from a popularity standpoint, I feel like the Avatar um, intellectual property is much more popular. Uh, and they have a chance if they do it right between this season, next season, possibly a third season, or if they, if they end up stretching it out. I think this could be 
uh, as big as Netflix is hoping for. But from when I say, uh, is this the Game of Thrones? I mean, like, is this the IP that will carry the way Game of Thrones carried? Like this, everyone's looking for their own Game of Thrones right now. Like we got FX with Shogun, which we'll uh, definitely talk about once we start watching it. We got this on Netflix. We have like a bunch of like kind of like fantasy historical kind of things with intrigue. Um, and I think that's the Game of Thrones effect. So that's what I mean when I say is this, couldn't this be Netflix's Game of Thrones? Now, that's not throwing shade at The Witcher because The Witcher has some very successful seasons and we're definitely on our way to this handoff between um, Henry Cavill and, and Liam Hemsworth. So we'll see how that goes. But I think I think Avatar could be bigger. I don't know about that because <clears throat> it was already popular in its own right before coming to ne- coming to Netflix, and then we're just making a live action remake of it. So it's not like I don't think the same excitement is there as with Game of Thrones because with that, yeah, you had the books and were you had the books, but you didn't have like oh Game of Thrones was already a cartoon or it was already another show and it was remade on Netflix like it was fresh and with that freshness it was like oh I can be obsessed where it's just like with this like oh if I don't like this or somebody doesn't like it I can just go back to Avatar The Last Emperor the the, the show, show. Mm-hmm. but then also even if it's good there's still going to be tons of people that are going to be comparing it to the cartoon and being like okay it's good and it could be good in its own right, but because we have that nostalgia and we're comparing it, it's going to be like, oh, it's not that good. It's okay. Nothing could ever top the original. So I think to give it that status, the fact that the show was already made is shooting it in the foot. Um, it's already starting a couple paces back because you've got the original show that was so great. On top of it already being great by itself, you've got the nostalgia that is associated with it. So now anything that comes after is going to be competing with that. And it's already it's it's already starting from the back of the pack. Right, right, right. Well, that's the case with a lot of adaptations, though, right? Because there's going to be a possibly a whole new audience to the to the intellectual property. How do you feel it's going to affect those people that have never seen Avatar before? Maybe they've heard about it but they're just not in the cartoons and you know maybe you know now that there's an adaptation they're like okay I'll give it a shot I mean I think they'll probably like it but I just don't think it's going to have the same grip on the social consciousness as uh Game of Thrones did Yeah yeah it's going to be Unfortunately I think be it's going to be great uh well no I don't think it's going to be great I hope it's going to be great but I don't know there's not too many things that you could really put on the same level as Game of Thrones, the only thing that I could think that came even really close to it and they were going head to head was as far as at the same time would be The Walking Dead. Yeah. Because on AMC, The Walking the Walking Dead was the Game of Thrones, you know, uh, Game of Thrones uh, was to HBO as The Walking Dead was to AMC. I agree. Or vice versa since one came before the other. But um, and the only thing really to kind of challenge the um to challenge uh game of thrones and it almost ended up ending in the same way hbo is great for this um is true blood hmm. started yeah. out like people were doing the same thing people were so excited about it mm-hmm. i mean this was back in the day where we're gonna age ourselves where we would go to other people's houses to watch it to, yeah. to have watch parties yeah yeah um and then 
the way it ended was disappointing as fuck. It was crazy how it just dropped off. It was like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. So, you know. I, I agree. It, Man, great points, babe. I, I, I really didn't think about True Blood. Um, but yeah, that's the only other. Well, I mean, people would argue The Sopranos was huge. I mean, HBO has had some bangers over the yeah, years. Yeah, I can only talk from experience. I never watched The Sopranos. Yeah, me neither. So, well, there we go, y'all. Those are our thoughts on the final trailer uh, for Avatar The Last Airbender. Hopefully, you guys have some similar thoughts. If not, let us know where we're wrong. Let us know how you feel. Um, we're always here for the feed back um <laughs> otherwise we're gonna go ahead and pay some bills y'all hear from uh, some of the amazing shows and programs on the pop break podcast network and we'll introduce our guests yes and we'll be back to introduce our guests are you a diehard marvel zombie who compulsively rewatches every movie and tv show you can get your hands on from the house of ideas or are you a new or lapsed Marvel fan looking for an excuse to finally catch up on what your buddies have been going on and on and on about for as long as you've known them? Then folks, do we have the show for you. Head over to the Pop Break Today podcast feed on all your favorite platforms to check out myself, Bill Bunkin, and my co-host, Alex Marcus, on Bill vs. the MCU, where we review every single installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe along with a journey around the Marvel multiverses where we check in on MCU-adjacent content like Netflix's The Defender Saga, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Fox's X-Men franchise, and so much more. New episodes premiere the second Tuesday of every month on thepopbreak.com and the Pop Break Today podcast feed. Hey, it's Bill Bodkin, editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. Join myself, Amanda Rivas, Al Manorino, and a cavalcade of awesome guests on the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. And it's Amanda Rivas. If you're a pop culture obsessed nerd like we are, then you need to make Socially Distanced an integral part of your life. We talk all the things, Marvel, Star Wars, you know, everything on Disney Plus pretty much, as well as the hottest trending shows and news in the world of pop culture. This is definitely Al Manorino and not Bill Bodkin. So listen to the Socially Distanced podcast every Friday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so we can eventually get Disney Plus to give us advertising money. Please, we could use the money. I, I have children. And we're back. Welcome back to Blur Watchers. Ladies and gentlemen, hope you enjoyed those uh, messages from our amazing podcast, Brethren and Sisterin on the Pod Break Network. Uh, here back with you, Marshall and Courtney, and a very special guest. This is our fourth year of Blur Watchers, ladies and gentlemen. We have never had a co-host until today and it's amanda rivas welcome she is a badass anime wrestling cosplay and all things nerdy queen hailing from the state of texas how are you today miss amanda Oh, I'm so excited to be here, you guys. Uh, that intro was great. I'm I like, tried. you just gave Bill a run for the money, to be I fair. Don't, don't that tell was him. awesome. Thank you. Don't <laughs> Thank tell you guys him. For oh, coming for the top spot. <laughs> Um, but yes, welcome to Blur Watchers. We have been huge fans of all your work on uh, socially distance and anime pop. Hopefully we'll find some time to get on there soon so we can discuss some of those awesome things that are coming out. This is a little bit of a muted anime season, I think, but we got some gems. 
Yeah. Well, like the one we're going to talk about. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. It should be, I guess it's like one of the, yeah, it might be like Aunt King level. (laughs) Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. I like it. King Miriam. Uh, okay, so let's do a quick icebreaker now that you guys, um, if you don't know Amanda, you'll get to know her very well today. And of course, make sure you guys stop over on the pop break. Make sure you follow the Socially Distance podcast. Make sure you update yourself on Anime Pop whenever it comes out. And of course, she'll give you all the things at the end of the show. But to break some ice, let's talk about Game of Thrones. Because there was a an announcement uh, recently that there is going to be a new spinoff for Game of Thrones based on what, babe? Oh, uh, Aegon the Conqueror? Aegon yeah. the Conqueror and his, and his conquests. His sister wives come over to uh, the main continent. His literal sister wives. Literal oh. sister wives. <laughs> um, and they unite the seven kingdoms. I mean, only Dorne was left. This is something that we talked about on the show. Amanda, talk to us a little bit if you're um, aware or how you feel about something like this happening. Do you Are you excited to see this in live action or what, what's going on? So I am after watching House of Dragon because okay. I was one of the Game of Thrones fans that I loved the show and was burnt out by the end. Like just mm. not happy with the ending. I was like, why? <laughs> why? But watching House of Dragon and how well the cast did and the storytelling, you know, I felt like stuck fairly closely to the source material. Like I thought I thought it was really well done. Mm. That brought me back in. So I'm a lot more hopeful coming in with this prequel series because, again, the source material is there. And that's the great thing about George R. R. Martin is he built this whole yeah. you know world in his in, in literary world. Um, even though, yes, he hasn't finished the main story. I kind of don't think he ever will finish it. No. <laughs> I don't think he knows how to finish it, no. to be to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's going to come down to how well the script is written and who they cast for Aegon. Because I think, uh, again, a big part of why people are probably pumped is because of how well House of Dragon was cast. Yeah. And that's going to be huge. So it just it's all going to come down to who the charismatic lead character is going to be. Because this is literally, I think, was like the the, the dawn of T- what TLC is that where Sister Wives comes out on the actual show? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is the start of it. I agree. I mean, it, what 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 House what House of the Dragon did casting wise, Matt Smith, Emma Darcy, um, Millie Alcock for the young Rhaenyra, and then um, goodness, who who's the older Rhaenyra? Uh, no, that's oh, that's Emma Darcy is the older Rainier. And then Allison um uh Allison Hightower was casted really well as well. So I agree with you. I think HBO does a general good job as a platform with their castings, but the opportunity to see Aegon's conquest and him come over and take over Westeros and you know, of course, Bay, I know you're excited to see a character. Valerian, yeah. Yeah. Valerian the Dread. <clears throat> um and and you know his sisters uh, who also wrote on some of the classic dragons to come over and and take over Westeros. It's going to be a burning good time. I mean, I definitely agree with Amanda. I think because we have the source material, we basically know how everything ends, right? To even get to, you know, the plot of Game of Thrones or even House House of the Dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It takes away a little bit of 
I guess the crutch that they had for the end of Game of Thrones was like, oh shit, we don't have any material, so now we have to make up stuff. Mm. And it was like, you could really feel where the source material stopped and then they had to try and like make up what's going to happen next. And you were like, oh shit. Because you guys don't, you should have more of a knowledge of this world because you should have been reading the books, but it just seems like, oh, we don't really know what to do because this isn't our world. We were just, you know, riding the coattails of this author. So luckily we have that material. It's to an extent kind of vague, I think, which is nice because Mm -hmm. that leaves room for interpretation, Mm -hmm. but they still have to, they have a good framework to build off of and they can't get too, um, they can't get too too out there with it. Yeah, they I think, can't go too because we always got to come back to this is how it ends. So I'm excited for that, and I just like to see how they flesh it out in the same way they've been doing with um, with the House of the Dragon. Because again, we know all the stories um, and kind of like the the big plot points. Yeah, but we get to see how we get there, and there's some kind of interpretation of kind of oh, this was told to me by somebody, and this is how they feel about it. But we can see like, oh, this is how it actually was. I could see why someone would relate it this way, but this is the way it actually happened. Yeah, Amanda, how do you feel about that when you take a look at House of the Dragon and you hear about the uh, Fire and Blood book? And I think one of the key things that House of the Dragon does extremely well is provide context where we didn't necessarily have it due to the nature of Fire and Blood being a third a third account. Do you agree? And, and how do you feel about that? I, I really enjoyed it because I, I think HBO and I think the, the the writing team did a great job of filling in the gaps. They, like Courtney said, you know they, you know, you have that's that's the fun in a way of having something that's vague. Like you have an outline to follow and you know you're starting at stopping points. It's now fleshing out the the characters. And so I think when you have more structure, unlike you know Game of Thrones at, towards the end, because mm-hmm. I agree with you, Courtney. I could feel where it started and stopped, or the source material stopped, and it's. It's like, oh, <laughs> no, oh, no, yeah. no, no. Um, but I, I really feel like, you know, this is going to be like a similar structure. You have the you have the outline. You have you know where you're starting. You know where you're stopping. You have your characters. It's now how you, you get them there. Um, so I think I, I'm excited for it. Again, I, I think it's going to give them a little bit of creative freedom. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's also going to make sure that we we stay, you know, within the, the, the Westeros well, you know, kind of just keeping in the vibe and keeping mm-hmm. in the, the 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 tone of what's laid out in the books. So I'm I'm here for it. HBO does this well, and I think I think they'll continue to do it well. And I'm just here for more dragons. They make beautiful dragons. They yeah. do. They do. I, I tweeted I, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago that Game of Thrones dragons are dragons done right. Yeah. They're yeah, just classic, yeah. very you know, very animal like, very expressive, and I, I just love what they do. And it's so terrible because you know they only have so much budget right so it's like i can't see a dragon all the time and i i love the way they they created these beautiful dragons because it's just gonna the hard part is it's gonna be even more heartbreaking when we get to the point of house of dragon where they're just yeah yeah. start going you know so but that tells you how good of a job they've done Mm -hmm. so i'm excited to see hopefully they i know the budget is is limited in a way but hopefully we can still get some beautiful dragons out of it well they got plenty of the last of us money so they 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 should be able to (laughs) make something (laughs) happen but you know what man let's get to the topic of the show that we're also excited about 
the 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 adaptation mm-hmm. of this beloved inter uh, uh, this beloved IP is coming out next week uh or maybe just about a week and a half from now but the hype train is real talk to us a little bit about when did you fall in love with avatar so i i watched it with my niece off and on i remember watching episodes when it came out on nickelodeon and of course the hard part is way back when we didn't have dvr and you didn't have everything you could go back and rewatch the the series so i i watched some of it and i enjoyed what i saw with her um it wasn't until i rewatched the series with my son and with brandon that I really got to enjoy it Mm -hmm. and I think relate to it better as an adult because it's really a deep show. It is so many, you know, the storytelling is so on point. And I know we're going to talk about all these things, but the storytelling, the characters just, it, it, I feel like I'm glad I rewatched it as an adult because I feel like it hit home and it hit harder than it did when I saw it younger with my, with my niece. Whereas at the time you kind of think like it's it's a kid show it's a cool kid show but it's a kid show because mm-hmm. it's on Nickelodeon but I enjoyed it like I watched Blue's Clues with her <laughs> Nora all the shows I watched with her growing up and uh, and it's just it's I just feel like as an adult I appreciate it more and I love it even more now so the hype is real for me absolutely babe same question um you know what I think in my first watch that's when I was like okay this is pretty special. Um, and maybe that's just, I think it was during a time it came out probably when we were, was it while we were in college? Were we in high school? I can't remember when I think high school into college. Okay. Um, I feel like I, I, some, something is ringing in my mind about 2008. So maybe so, but I remember there was a time where like, of course, yes, you had to see it when it aired on, um, you know, at live. And then there was a point where they started putting it on line on the actual like there was a web page you could go to to watch that was like it came on Nickelodeon right mm-hmm. so there's like a Nickelodeon uh web page that you could watch it on which was kind of like here here and there spotty as far as watching it but I think from the first time watching it I definitely was like okay this is really special this isn't the same as like regular cartoons that you would see on like cartoon well maybe not cartoon network because they start they had tsunami so they were showing anime but Mm -hmm. definitely nickelodeon where you're like oh it's mostly stuff like kids having fun at school or during summer break or something like that where it's like oh these are kind of really mature themes um that literal children are going through um so i think that's when i first thought it was special i think when i really fell in love with it um, and I don't know if this was uh, intentional, but your indoctrination of it, watching it over and over and over and then like watching it to go to sleep at night. Like when we when we met and we were dating in college, I, I feel like perhaps I was a little bit brainwashed. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is like my favorite show. And it's like, girl, it's constantly in a loop in your mind, even when you go to sleep. But um, I think that's when I also got to appreciate it more and really kind of think of a lot of the implications of just the things that were happening to all of the people in this world, but also seeing it from the perspective of children and the things that they had to do uh, and were responsible for in order to basically like save the world. Um, And it's kind of jarring when you think 
there's all these adults here and the people who are having the most impact are children. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say that the indoctrination was purposeful. I just really liked it at the time. And this is like before streaming. Right. So I had to like go on like LimeWire and find the episodes and like download them and steal them and, and, and play them on my computer or put them, put them on my TV with the USB or the HDMI or anything like that. So I had a setup, okay, in college. Um, also, it did come out in 2005 and did its okay. run in 2008. So we graduated high school in 2006. We're going to age ourselves. Amanda, you don't have to age yourself. But <laughs> it was definitely between high school and college for yeah. us. And, um, I'm like, y'all are babies. I'm like, I definitely age myself. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, I was in college. It, it was, I was in college when it came out. You were oh, in okay. college. Okay, gotcha. Um, so, I mean, you're... you're Not yeah, much yeah, older. I was say, no. like, <laughs> we were on our way. But um, it's it was so good. I mean, the first season notwithstanding... I think that a lot of anime have a point where they get real. And I think that the first season of Avatar had that real moment very early on when Aang had to come to terms with the genocide of his people and the death of his best friend and just going and seeing that. Um, That's kind of when I started to sit up like, oh, wait a minute. You know, even in high school, I was like, Oh, this is, you know, cool, fun. He's riding on a penguin. He's having a good time. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, Zuko and his honor. And uh, we'll talk about Zuko and his honor. But uh, everything just started to come together for me. And just seeing the 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 stories that they were telling and and the uh, the ways that they reminded me of what we go through on a daily basis. I started to understand. I started to realize this really ain't for kids. And then seasons two and three happened and it just it cemented itself for me i was i was i was a goner yeah i think i like how it differs from maybe a lot of the things a lot of the anime that i watched at that time um was a lot of like oh through the power of friendship you could do anything and it was kind of just like no like these actions have consequences and they're dire consequences and then you also have to deal with the fallout of that we don't just go on to the next episode as if nothing happened you know or like because of your you know moon prism power you can resurrect any of your homegirls like once something happens if someone dies if someone gets captured if a city falls like that's just it and there's no, you know, God in the machine that's going to change it. Mm-hmm. Even though the main character is supposed to be the God in the machine, but he's still fallible. Absolutely. Well, and I, I really like that you get pe- the people around them that are expressing like, hey, your actions are impacting me. And I feel like that was different from a lot of anime and a lot of animated shows at that time because you didn't really hear from everybody around that mm-hmm. it really impacted. Whereas here, you had like what happened with Zuko in the village. Like it, it just you hear from the voices of the people around. And I think that was really, really powerful and very different. I think for what was out in that time frame. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And we're going <clears> to, <throat> we're going to get into some of these episodes. Let's move forward. Let's talk about the trailer. I, I know Amanda, you saw the final trailer a few weeks back. You've had some time to, uh, um, uh, accept it <laughs> to understand it or, or to, to to think about it what were your thoughts on the final trailer and ultimately the promotional material altogether I know that we 
uh, were introduced to the cast at the um, Netflix to Dumb in Brazil uh, last year. And then we got our first little preview of the four um, of the four nation um, uh, the elements uh, elements. And then we got the first trailer. And now we finally got the final trailer a few weeks before release. How do you feel about all of that stuff? And ultimately, um, are they capturing the tone? I visually stunning yeah. right off the bat. Like I just was like everything. The colors are very rich. You know, the, the, the ambiance, like it's, it's a beaut. It just looks beautiful. And I'm like, they got Appa and Momo right. And yeah. I'm like, okay, that's my first. I was like, y'all ugly. We get like ugly Sonic out of <laughs> right, this. Yeah. I'm, I'm not having it because there's so you, everyone loves Appa and Momo. Like who doesn't? And so you, for me, if you can catch those details right off the bat. Okay. Y'all are paying attention. Okay. I feel, I feel better. Yeah. Um, but visually very stunning. I think, you know, I what I love what Netflix is doing. They did the, kind of the same thing for One Piece. It's here, we're going to post online about our cast. You get to know them. You get some of the fun clips. Like it, it helps. I think it's very smart to help you relate to and like the actors because then by the time you see the the, the, the show, mm-hmm. you're, you, you've connected with them and you're like, okay, you're more willing and I think more open to giving a chance. So I think psychologically, that's very, very smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that. I've been. I do I watch the clips as they come out? Yes, I do. Because I'm like, okay, you know, like I, I they they posted one with Daniel Day Kim, and I need to go back and look up who plays Zuko. But they were doing the the hot or not. Yeah. And I was like, I'm I'm here for it. Like I I love that kind of stuff, and I think that's again very very smart. Um. The yeah, the trailer was just gorgeous. You know, the, you're you're seeing scenes that I'm like, okay, I remember this yeah. from from you know book one. And just okay, I and and just some of the the acting scenes, especially with Zuko, on point. Like he's probably the one I'm most excited to see translate because the actor seems to have nailed, mm-hmm. like just crushed. And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm here for it. And of course, I'm paying attention to Iroh too. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, people are. I, I laugh at the comment section because of the the, the Daniel Day Kim, the fire daddy. Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Am I one of those? Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. You can admit it. This is a safe. I mean, place. it's a it's a hundred percent reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Fire Lord Zaddy. I've seen all that. It's great. But you know, I think I think too. You have that combination of of smart marketing to get to know your cast, and then that translates into okay, like I like them in this role. I like the visuals even for for Aang. You know, mm-hmm. I like I like kind of they they the CGI looks good to you. Doesn't look too doesn't look too fake. Um, you know, they they you can tell they spend a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> they put a lot of money into this and I'm 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 excited for it. So, I feel like tone it, it feels like the show. Um are we is this where we're able to talk about the minuses in the marketing? Uh absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So my only thing that I'm not crazy about is the way that I guess like when people are explaining the changes, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not crazy with how the explanations are going. I'm like, I think I know what you're trying to say, but you've said it in a way where people focus on the negative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, I think for me, when people are making comments, like, and I know we're going to talk about probably the, some of the changes like with, with Sokka in mm-hmm. particular, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I think that when you're conveying that, you know, I get why you're going to try to change it and update it and maybe give more of a backstory and flesh it out because you are fleshing it out for both adults and children. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think too, like the way you're conveying it may miss the mark. It just shows me that, Hey, you're not, 
you kind of missed the point of the show a little bit. Like, I think I know yeah. where you're coming from, but there's a different way to convey that. So there have been some misses in the marketing as well. And even just kind of the, you know, Game of Thrones. Kind of, we want to make it a Game of Thrones. I'm like, I think I know where you're going with it, but you said it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, so they they have some misses with, with the marketing, but I feel like overall the trailer was beautiful. The actors so far look like they they're doing a great job. Um, so I'm I'm still hyped for it. And I'm excited for it. Babe, talk to us about how you feel about the marketing. I, I know that we did our snap trailer reaction mm -hmm. just before the break, but um, to Amanda's points, do you have anything to add or? You know, I think I largely agree. Um, I I was a little bit concerned about how things were going to go and not so so much from like the production teams marketing or from Netflix marketing, but what was going on as far as like the chatter online and how people I think were already um, anticipating that this was going to be just like the movie, the Avatar Last Airbender, like two version 2.0, just no. kind of extended. Sorry. Never heard of it. Sorry, I know that's like saying Voldemort, you know, he who should not be named. <laughs> um, so that was a little bit worrying because I was like, oh, my gosh, are we like getting, you know, shot before we even exit the gate? Like, you know, it's just people are going to have their 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 hackles up before even watching it. And I think there's still going to be some of that regardless, because it's a show that has already been completed. We already had the visuals of it. People, you know, it was already good. As we said with the snap trailer reaction, you know, it was already very good. Excellent. And then you have, you know, the nostalgia behind it. So we've already got, you know, both of our hands tied behind our back when we're starting. Um, even if the show is great, it's always going to be compared to the visuals we already had. Um, as far as the marketing for like what they were kind of teasing us with, I didn't actually really like when they first did the whole like showing the four nations, the, the elements. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of all we got. Yeah. Because it almost set for me. I was like, oh, is this what the tone is going to be? Is it going to be this? Like, because if it's going to be this and that's all we're going to receive because it's like, oh, we're just kind of, you know, uh, be hush about it until it comes out. We don't really want to tease you. Um, I was like, oh, okay, if it's going to be like this, I'm disappointed. But as we move forward, I think a lot of people express that. Luckily, you know, of course, they're going to have clips of things happening in the show already. They were out. They were able to build better trailers, I think. Um, and they kind of just let the I think they're just letting the visual speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. Like it's beautifully shot. Um, I love from what I'm seeing already, the costume design. I think it's just going to be just really if nothing else really visually appealing yeah absolutely i mean i so my my thing is about it is um we just kind of went through this with the last of us which was um if not my favorite video game of all time possibly my favorite video game story of all time mm. and before the last of us came out the production team let it known let it be known that they are not going to include spores which for anyone who has played The Last of Us or, or knows the story from the video game, this is the primary way that the uh, that the virus is transmitted through the air. There are these pockets of areas where spores are very dense, so they have to go and put their uh, masks on to, to travel through these places. And everybody said, the show is going to be terrible. 
everybody they 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 didn't put spores in. They're not being true to the to to the show and the just writing it off. And then they gave us possibly the best first season of television that a lot of people have seen in a decade. And there were no spores included. So I'm trying to give them grace with some of these changes that they're making because yeah. frankly it is a different time. 2008 was a long time ago now. The world was different. Some some of these themes may not translate or they may be a little too hot button yeah. for Netflix to want to tackle right now in the the the, the tone and, and some of the themes. So it's like I kind of want to see how they're going to go about it. Um, Sokka, his 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 characterization and his arc specifically, if they say they're going to take out some of the sexism. I just I, I'm interested to see what they replace it with, how they're going to develop him without that. And I'm not saying it's not possible, but I feel like people are a little bit too hard on these productions that make changes that they think are going to be for the best of the show. And it's like, oh, no, but it has to be like it was before. What if they make something a little less controversial and still develop him? Well, really, it's just about his development. And that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. Was he sexist? Absolutely. Can he have another crutch that would, you know, stand in for that? Absolutely. We have to see how it is. And if it's great, great. And if it's not, and it really takes away from his characterization or the show overall, that's a miss. You know what I mean? But also, he's not the only character. Uh, he's an important character. He can still become the leader that he's supposed to be. But I'm, I'm just... Oh, um, the fire alarms aren't ringing for me yet. I want to see how they do it. If it's done well, fine. The Last of Us took spores out. They created a network of this virus that loves, and they and they they they're kissing. You know, people to infect them. Like that's crazy. I <laughs> never thought that they would be able to think of something better or more in tune with a live action adaptation. Like if you attack one of them here and then they go into the network, now everybody, there's no way for us to be able to say that 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 would have been terrible if we knew about it prior to, oh, they took the spores out and everybody wants to be upset. But if they do something like that with this and it's better and it actually enhances what what have we nobody's been complaining about spores since <clears throat> the last of us came out yeah i also think it's kind of weird to be like oh man we're really gonna miss that sexism right like, that's really what brought the show together <laughs> so okay um any final thoughts on that amanda before we get into our top 10 episodes with with Sokka, i think it just was the way it was communicated say so I, I think you can you can either maybe either soften that or better because I'm, I'm also hearing that they're like well that's not really what we meant we're just going to change like where it happens or where and i'm like so y'all are back tracking like i'm not so i think it just was a matter of how it was communicated mm. whereas i think like marshall you said they could either you know they could soften it or maybe you know still kind of build that part like that learning lesson in just in a different way right. um and i think there's a way to communicate that better because it is it is a part of his core character and if you look at you know like we'll, we'll talk about it but like you know the culture he grew up in you know the men were the warriors the women were at home and you come with that you know that understanding and that feeds into that i think there's ways to flesh either flesh that out or better you know 
drive the lesson home again in a better way. Whereas I think they, they, you know, everyone heard, oh, wait, remove. Okay. So, you know, I'm not sure if they probably should have waited to let people maybe not, not say that right off the bat or, um, just say, you know what, we're, we're, yes, we are changing his origin story, but we're going to make it more powerful. Like, there's a way to say it. I think that, you know, again, I, I you know, I'm like you, well, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with his character development. And, um, but I think again, just the way it came out initially, that's what caught the internet. Like what is happening here? <laughs> and For kind sure. of already, you know, it kind of put people on edge a little bit. So, but I think they're capable of doing like, again, like last of us, I was one of those two. I was like the spores at first. I was like, but how? <laughs> and yeah, the way they handled that was brilliant. Um, so I think that the potential is there, you know, again, they were able to do it with one piece. Mm-hmm. They made a lot of changes to some, especially characters like Usopp and a few others, you know, they, if they can handle it for one piece, they should be able to handle it for Avatar. Yeah. You know, I think, remind me, was this something that people asked them and they decided to address or they just came out and were like, oh yeah, the whole issue with Sokka being, uh, you know, sexist, we're going to address that. So the way it sounds to me is that they're doing these press these press tours and they get asked a hundred questions and there are articles written about one. And that was one of the questions that they asked, how are you going to address that? I, you know, I find that funny just thinking about that because I feel like in the show, in the show, it's addressed, right? That he's sexist and he's surrounded by all these capable, strong warrior women who teach him a lesson every time where it's like, Oh, you're just a cute little girl or whatever. Let me handle this. And it's like, she's a more accomplished warrior than you. Like over and over, he's taught this lesson. I think by, well, it seems like by the end, he learns that like, I, I, I think we see also that that's kind of his thing too, right? He doesn't feel that he has a purpose other than the fact that he's a warrior. So if everyone can just do that, what makes him special, right? Like, am I even a necessary part of this group? And so in the show, they're like, you know, you don't have to place the value of yourself based off of like other people not having value or devaluing women. So I just find it interesting that that's a question where it's like, I mean, the source material addresses it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think, I think we pretty much broke that down really well. I mean, let's, let's, let's skip favorite characters because I feel like we've already kind of touched on that. Unless anyone has someone specific that they just want to shout for the mountaintops about why they're so amazing. Because I feel like, we're going to start talking about our favorite episodes and we can kind of cover that at the same time. Do we agree? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Who would like to begin with their 10th favorite episode? Talk to us about the episode. Tell us why, why it made your list and why it's special to you. And we can, we're going to have some repeats. So, you know, just in, in audience as you're listening, We'll try to give a small summary for the episode from our recollection or whatever, just so that if you're not as familiar, we can make sure to keep uh, to catch you up. But who would like to begin? Oh, I'd like to begin because I know my 10th episode. I know everyone else is probably going to have more profound things to say. And I don't want to be the person that has to go over after someone who said something really (laughs) profound and be like, oh, (laughs) my simple answer. So I'll give my simple answer first and then we can crescendo from there. Um, It was a little bit hard for me to get this list together. Yeah. Uh, So. 
it's kind of just like a placeholder. My 10th episode, I was like, I feel like this needs to be in here just because uh, The Boy in the Iceberg. Okay. Book one, episode one. Um, because, I mean, I guess it's a good way to start, but I don't think it's anyone's real favorite episode. And it's just like, hey, we're getting the story going. Um, and I don't have too many like emotional attachments to it. But again, I also struggle with this list. So book one, episode one, The Boy in the Iceberg is my number 10. So this was the pilot. Yeah. This was the, you know, starting off, we meet uh, Sokka and Katara. They're out fishing. They stumble across this ice. Uh, Katara is bending. No, silly. It's water bending. And uh, we get a we get that whole beginning of exposition into this universe. And they ultimately find a frozen in ice avatar Aang. And we're, are you the avatar? Mm. and that this is kind of how our story begins and we get our our central three characters throughout the first season together we started ang is just like 12 <laughs> he's yeah. like I, I came up here to ride on some penguins and that's what i'm gonna do and you know this world and yada yada, yada. so um amanda how do you feel about the uh the pilot there the boy in iceberg any special memories or anything that you can recall I just I loved how he just kind of burst out of the ice too. Like it was it was one of those moments where it's like he's a kid, but then you see that just that hint of power, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah. I'm already I'm already intrigued. And you know, I like you have that immediate dynamic, that immediate um, just the three of them just click so well, and it just if they feel like a little like a little family or like you know like a group of friends, and it's mm-hmm. just it's it's heartwarming. But again, you you see a bit of the power that Ng has, and it's also intriguing. So I was hooked right off the bat seeing it because again, you you get a little bit of you get curiosity, but at the same time, you know the the kids aren't annoying either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like they they're not they don't spend too much time on okay, we're kids, and we're just going to drive the point home that we're kids. Like I think it was a very well balanced first episode, so I enjoyed it very much. Awesome. Okay, well, let's let's stick with you. What was your 10th favorite episode of Avatar and why? So I'm a little bit of a like a history nerd. Like I love the background type of explanations of like, you know, like the different worlds and the different, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm a big nerd for those types of details. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the firebending masters because mm-hmm. I felt like you got. Yeah, I felt like you got not just the history of this the war and how it came about but you you get this profound understanding that you know uh roku and um and then his name just slips me for the moment <laughs> but so um, so yes so you know they were that they were friends mm-hmm. and that put in for me a unique nuance it's, it's they were uh, they were inseparable and then you get the fact that roku's you know firebending too so it's just that was that was a really cool little twist so not only did you learn about the war in the context that this all plays out in and get the history of it but you did it in a way that was very personal so you get to see these two friends that they were super close and then their their statuses and their roles kept them from really you know split them apart mm-hmm. and their visions were different and you have friendship turned to, to at least bit of rivalry on one part and then you feel the regret in roku and the other it was i i enjoyed it very very much Hundred percent. Um, just yeah, I I don't have any notes, babe. Um, you know what? I actually have. <clears throat> I agree. I actually have this episode on my list. Um, I think 
I just really like how they also tied in and we start to learn kind of like the lineage of the Avatar, um, but then also kind of like how the other characters, namely Zuko, how they're connected, how everybody's kind of interconnected. Mm -hmm. Um, And it almost seems like a lot of people meeting and coming together with each other is just like, it's just the circle of fate that just keeps going around and around and around, Um, which can be kind of bleak because it's like, oh my God, are we just reliving the same story over and over and over? And at some point, hopefully one of our incarnations gets it right. Um, But I think in that, with that realization on the negative side the positive side is are we the ones that are going to get it right and it's kind of like i don't know it's like oh i almost killed you or i wanted to kill you for my honor but like in a way you're like my great great grandfather like it's weird yeah so i thought learning all of that i thought that you know it gave another level of of care for me as the audience looking at at these relationships and almost how they've just played out through generations and then kind of seeing it i don't know it gave it another level of importance to me for what the kids were doing it's like you know we're finishing old business fair uh that that's like i said i have no notes um i love this episode it's also on my list so uh uh, I will go with the four-part finale, Susan's comment, uh, as my tenth favorite. All four parts. It, oh. I mean, for me, for me, <laughs> okay. it's one episode. Is that cheating? As ten, though. This is. I know. This is how much I love like nine through one. Okay, because right? Susan's comment is like peak, but everything else is peaker. So you know what like, though? What, what do I do? Wow. That's interesting to me. Because even looking at other lists that I was like, okay, trying to help me compile my list, I feel like, I don't know, is it just because you're an Aquarius and you're like contrary? I feel like it's just so <laughs> low, but okay. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It was, I mean, this, this wrapped up the series and it really brought um, to terms Aang's um, arc and and how he as a pacifist was able to find a way to end a war without compromising himself it introduced the uh idea of energy bending that he learned from the lion turtle which is like you know this legendary creature that is you know thousands of years old he spoke with his past lives and they all told him you're gonna have to kill the fire lord like this is what it is this is your responsibility as the avatar he had emotional and spiritual warfare around the thought of what he would have to do and at the end of the day before we bent elements we bent ourselves but he showed he showed that he his spirit was unbendable uh especially in contrast to the fire lord spirit because they connected and they played that tug of war and ang said not not today (laughs) um but yeah as as much as i love that that uh soza's comment just my my list is it's all bangers from here so it's like okay i'm very interested to see where we go it's like one a through one you know okay so we'll we'll swing back back around to amanda because i could talk about that all day let's go with number nine amanda oh man i guess i'll 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 go for it i i picked the the southern air raiders 
Okay. Um, a lot of my episodes that I picked were very, I, you know, for me were about the story develop the character development and the emotions that you were going through. And, and, you know, pretty much, you know, everybody has just kind of escaped from the Western air temple, you know, after Azula destroys it, so they're mm-hmm. kind of on the run, but, and Zuko has just joined the group. And of course, Katara is very angry at him and very, you know, hostile. And he's just kind of like, what is happening here? And he learns from Sokka that their mother was, was taken and killed you know, yeah. by the Fire Nation. And so um, Zuko offers to Katara to go, let's go track. I know who it is after she, after he learns kind of the description of the flag and all of that. Mm-hmm. Let's go, let's go get you revenge. She's here for it. Aang's here. Aang and, and, and Zucker are like, no, you don't, don't, you don't have to do this. Like, you know, this is more about revenge than getting closure. And Aang, of course, says, you know, I hope you choose forgiveness. I hope you don't choose revenge. Mm-hmm. And it's a very powerful story. She encounters this guy who mur- basically murdered her mother. Um, and he's living with his mom, which is the irony. Right. <laughs> she's yelling at him. She's getting at him like, go get me groceries. Go do this. <laughs> um, he's clearly miserable after karma has really gotten this guy um, in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, down his luck and she has him cornered and she chooses to let him live and just to get that closure. And, here i really feel like what i loved about this episode was seeing katara grow and Mm. you still see this from the the perspective of a child ultimately too that you know yes even though you're like okay don't choose revenge like it's okay but then i'm like you're asking a young teenage girl who's grown up without her mother you know that's so powerful like if you think about it in the context like as a kid you're watching this and you're like oh okay like i i can i can see why she's angry but then as an adult it hits you a whole different way and i'm like this mm-hmm. is really really heavy and you know it it i just i love that whole arc for her and that step for her for for growth and healing and again it's powerful seeing something like that through a child or through a teenager's eyes so yeah. I loved everything about about this episode and that she and Zuko were able to bond over that and she was able to forgive him at the end. Oh, yeah, because they had somewhat of a tumultuous relationship. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Great, great pick. Babe, um, number nine. Number nine for me, uh, the Puppet Master. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is the one where uh, we get an introduction to bloodbending. Um, and... <clears throat> I think it's really just up there for me, basically for that. Um, and then also kind of the struggle between between Katara and <clears throat> I, I forget the name. I should pull it up. I forget the name of the um, water. I'm sorry. Hama. Yes. The struggle between her. I mean, essentially, she got what she wanted. Right. Yeah. She she got Katara to bloodbend. Um But that struggle of not trying to, like, cross this line um and then being forced to by someone who is kind of like trying to entice you into carrying on carrying almost on their their legacy um because they see this promise of you they understand you know essentially what they they very uh, much so understand what you've been going through and kind of like the plight that has been put upon your same people she comes from your tribe um and wanting someone it kind of felt like one of those things like I am so traumatized and in my trauma, I learned this way to basically protect myself, but mostly to get back 
at the people who have traumatized me and to see that you haven't got there that doesn't sit right with me so mm-hmm. i need you to be where i'm at and it's not oh i want to help you or i want to pass down this thing to you or or anything like that it's more of how could you not how could we basically have the same skill set that you can do this and you won't because it makes me feel like i'm bad for for doing it and i shouldn't feel bad for doing it so now i got to get you to do it so that i can feel better about myself um and then just kind of like it was so emotionally complex to also see the breakdown of Katara. Like if, if I don't do this, then there's going to be a consequence that I'm not willing to Mm. deal with. And so now I have to, and the feeling of, of being manipulated into doing something that you're desperately trying to avoid. Really adult themes, uh, really adult situations. Amanda, any uh, insight or thoughts on that episode from your recollection? Oh man, Courtney did a great job. I think just capturing all of it because it is—it's a dark. It is a dark episode, yeah. and then you're yeah. talking about again for a kid show, blood bending. Yeah, of all things, like that is a heavy. It's a heavy element. I mean, I threatened to blood bend this one a lot now. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it—it it, just that legacy or like that that legacy of trauma that mm. you're that you're passing on and i think courtney you brought up a good point about you know well if i get katara to do it then i'm not so bad it's yeah. like trying to live with that guilt of mm-hmm. what you're doing as well and so yeah it was a very heavy episode it's a great choice this is solid very i'm like this is hard it's a very hard list to put together and and this episode for me was very empire strikes back return of the jedi like trying to trying to influence and bring someone kind of down to your side and just saying, this is what you're meant to do. You you know what I mean? I was getting very much those vibes um, from this episode. Excellent choice, babe. Um, (laughs) My ninth favorite episode is the blind bandit, the introduction of Miss Toph Beifong, the goat. Um, We, we see that Aang has been having these visions and in the swamp where there's a lot of spiritual energy and, you know, the spirits are guiding him to uh, earth bending teacher who will wait and listen. <laughs> and um, she he sees a vision of a small girl and, and, and her laugh with a boar. And they end up in this earth in this earth uh, nation town. And he tells some guys about like, you know, I'm looking for an earth bending teacher that you know, waits and listens. And, you know, they're like, oh, well, the Bayfongs have a bore. And then we get the whole introduction of like um, Earth Jam 6 or whatever they called it, like this this earth bending uh, WWE, this, this, and, you know, we see Sokka get to be like just a boy for a little bit. Just, oh, you know, the boulder. And, you know, and it's all these strong personalities. And then we see Toph, this little thing, and she is just, instantaneously the goat like Mm -hmm. she doesn't she doesn't it's almost effortless and to see her talent with earthbending and then to see later on an episode where we you know go to her house and see her her situation with her family and they don't know that she's an earthbender and they treat her so gingerly and just it goes completely against her spirit and this this was the best kind of introduction that i could have had for someone from the earth nation of that power and i just knew like i'm here wherever Toph is at that's where i'm at 
and um, special shout out. It didn't make my list, but this episode also coincides with an episode called Bitter Work, where she actually started teaching Aang to mm. Earthbend, and he had to come to terms with how Earthbending was the opposite of what his innate skill was in airbending and how she had to try to teach him your mentality is what will unlock your ability to earthbend and earthbend well he ends up learning seismic sense and you know all this history so that's my number nine who wants to come through with any thoughts on um the blind bandit uh i I'm wondering, like, is your is your list like flipped or something like? I, I'm excited to see what the rest of your list is based off of that. Uh, I agree that it's a great episode. I, it's on my list, clearly higher. Oh. Um, but um, I definitely agree. I like that introducing her as the Earthbender, um, not even just a person who's a part of their team, but like one of his masters. Um, <clears throat> it was. At the time, at least for me, it wasn't expected. Mm-hmm. And I like that they had someone. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that is expected. Someone who's so tiny, who's so mighty. Ooh. Kind of like that Napoleon complex kind of thing. But definitely she can back it up. Um, I think this is an excellent This is an excellent choice. I think when we were introduced to Toph, she does grow. But she just, she is who she is. And she stands firm in that, which is indicative of her being an earthbender. And additionally, her problems, since we're talking about um, the episode where she's teaching um, Aang how to, how to earthbend her issue with Aang. She's like, because you're just like your element, you're flighty. If there's an issue, you want to run away. You've got to stand firm and face stuff head on. If you want to be an earthbender, you want to get this. And that's just like, I think that's her personified. Uh, yeah, that's valid. I mean, it, it, what I really enjoyed about Toph is a great choice. It really is. I, I she made the Earth Nation relevant because mm-hmm. you had Boomy, which he's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, you, you have again, everybody, the, the other three elements represented in very strong ways that tie to their characters. And so for, for her, like, she just came in like the boulder yeah. <laughs> that she threw and just, and, and, you know, you got what I what I enjoyed was you got her being, you know, who she is, direct, bold, confident. But at the same time, you see these vulnerabilities in yeah. her and you see but she's also very wise. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, it's not always often betrayed or betrayed, but portrayed in children is their wisdom. And for being someone so young and so, you know, it gets so mighty with her power. She's also very wise and um, she's great. I just, I love her from start to finish. She she is who she is. Yeah. You know, she's just like, hey, like, I like, I like, obviously her feet are her eyes, but at the same time, I think even if she didn't have to rely on her feet for eyes, she would just be like, hey, I'm barefoot. I'm here. It's great. It's my best life right now. Yeah. This is the time <laughs> I'm going to be free and wild. And I, I just, that was a great choice. It was a great choice. I agree. I mean, yeah. That's, uh, I don't have anything else to add. No, no. Let's. Let's go back to you, babe. Let's go to grade eight. Grade eight. Um, so this is where the firebending masters is on my list. I had mm-hmm. them at number eight. Uh, I don't think I have to expound any further from what we said at 10. That's how I feel about it. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I'll come back in with my eighth and then we'll get an Amanda's eighth. So for me, uh, this is also where the firebending masters comes in. <laughs> um, 
and I don't have much to add as well. <laughs> the story of Roku and Sozin is perfect. Um, it's it's perfect. So, mm-hmm. uh, Amanda, let's come back to you for your eighth. So I actually chose the Western Air Temple for my eighth. And again, this is a tough list to put together because and I just went with what emotionally resonated with me. Absolutely. And of course for me what I what I loved about this episode was you I think you got to see I mean you see Zuko following them. Like he's decided, okay, I'm going to help and I'm going to accept my destiny. And this is after, you know, he's lost Uncle Iroh. Like it's so he's in a very vulnerable point in his journey. And so he follows everybody to the Western Air Temple. I always get a kick out of him practicing his speech with yeah. the frog. Yeah. <laughs> and the frog's like, hi, I'm Zuko. I know we've been, we've been, I've been chasing you around for a bit, but I've had my change of heart. He gets upset. Like it's a very, it's a very vulnerable side to Zuko. Whereas against complete contrast to what we saw in the beginning of the, the season or beginning of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Or even the series, just his growth is great so just this moment of vulnerability and the fact that you know you you see ang as he approaches the group ang feels pity you know especially because of of you know the past encounters you know and and then you know appa like licks him and and so it's the you know kind of those full circle moments of the earlier actions of the show where zuko shows those sides of good that are that are coming full circle but the rest of the group is wary but they're like hey minus katara everyone's like hey you know whatever you decide that that's fine yeah um you know, and just seeing Zuko kind of come into the group, but at least is not immediately accepted, I mm-hmm. think was a smart approach too, um, where he's got to earn it because he has been antagonizing them for good parts of the the show. So I, I again, just that vulnerability from Zuko made this episode so good. He was so charming and just, I was like, okay, yes, you were not, you you, you were not the best character in the beginning, but at the same time, this vulnerability just it made you switch sides and you were rooting for Zuko ultimately. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I I really loved this episode. Um I think this and then this was also the start of um where you're seeing how I, I guess we could say how humble Zuko is or how he's trying to be. He definitely had an ego death. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's like, okay, so what what do I do? Because this whole persona that I had and me seeking my honor and thinking these things that I, were, I was doing was how I was going to get my quote unquote honor back or what we were thinking was his honor. Um, you know, I had this persona of being like all of this bravado, very uh, eager to seek out conflict um, and try to conquer people. And then when you have this ego death, you know, you you've lost your uncle. And this was kind of he was the only person that was like your your true north. You feel lost and you start to question like. Everything that I did, what was it worth? And then you just see how, like you said, how vulnerable he is. Um, I immediately got more attached to this version of Zuko and I felt personally attacked whenever uh katara was just like <laughs> busting his balls was not you. giving him an inch i was like he's just a boy please <laughs> give him a chance like so i um you know this this arc for him i just got so attached to him and i was just like he's he's just the goodest boy and he's trying his best okay yeah. he's always been trying his best you know give him give him a chance everybody and also i feel like we got to see 
I think we got to see a different uh, yeah a different side of Katara a more vengeful side of her like a oh, more yeah. overt vengeful side of her and then you know as we got where they had the, the Southern Raiders where she had the opportunity to kind of display that even more but I think she got back into herself and not holding on to anger or resentment um i I mean Duke was of course really integral to that but i think everybody else started to see it too because everyone was like we are mad at him he did do like messed up stuff but ang is forgiving him we can see he's trying and you being so vengeful towards him everyone was like i don't know girl maybe you should like chill out so i this was yeah i like this episode a lot and i like just how I just I started to fall in love more with Zuko uh, mm-hmm. with this with this personality. He really turned it around. I think for me, I always liked him, but I think this is where I started to be like, oh my gosh, he's just a boy. Yeah, uh, you know I don't have anything to add, but what I can do is go down to my number seventh pick because I feel like it it, it actually relates to the state of Zuko and Katara's relationship. For me, my number seven pick is the season two finale, the Crossroads of Destiny. Um, okay. Aang has met Guru Patik, and he's working with him to unlock his chakras. But we also get a, a subplot of Katara and Zuko um, being captured and placed in the catacombs together and having this bonding uh, time between the the shared loss of their mothers and you know Katara is seeing that there's good in Zuko and that he struggles and she's trying to be or she can't help be empathetic toward him and that kind of relationship all for him to ultimately get into a situation and choose his family and his honor and his nation over what is right and it really it really kind of hurt Katara and you could see that um within you know the episode but also just a damn good episode I mean as far as you know Aang his arc trying to master the avatar state and Guru Patik is like hey here's the easy button but you have to let go of your earthly connections and he's like I can't I can't let go of my friends I can't let go of Katara this is the moment which he basically come to terms with like I'm in love with Katara and I can't not have her in my life i can't let her go and um looking at that and seeing how they've really looked at the idea of love from this perspective and 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 exploring those themes of you know if you love something you have to let it go or things like that and just saying like hey as a 12 year old kid no i can't do that i I don't have the maturity i don't have the the wisdom to say okay i'm going to do what's best for the world and sometimes we are selfish and sometimes we are um self-serving and we saw that be some of ang's uh personality traits all throughout the series to the point that in this episode, we we knew what Aang was going to do. Mm-hmm. There was no way Aang was going to say, all right, Katara, deuces. Um, but it just it just added to his characterization. And this also was the first time that these kids like took a major L. Like he went into the Avatar state. Azula said, boink. And, you know, he was messed up and, you know, they thought they killed him and they had to run away from Basin Se with their tails between their legs. Very realistic and very mature 
uh, version of what can happen in war. Sometimes you lose. Uh, so I thought that this was a amazing episode, a very good primer for season three and a very good uh, humbling of the group because at that time they were like, oh yeah, we're going to learn all the, all the, all the, all the bending uh, disciplines. We're going to go ahead and beat the fire Lord. They couldn't even beat his kids. So they had to go into hiding from this and it just really started um, ended season two amazingly and really set an amazing tone for season three. Thoughts? Oh man, you said that beautifully. It's, uh, this episode actually is higher up on my list. So I know mm. what we'll get there, but I, I don't think I can say it better. I mean, really, what I also really enjoyed though about this episode was how low-key Iroh is showing everybody that the Fire Nation can get along with everybody. Like mm-hmm. he's just chatting with everybody like, you know, like, you know, Top's like, oh, hey, you're the cool guy with the tea. And just, you know, it just, it low key. I, you know, it's one of those things where it's just under the radar that not all Fire Nation people are bad. I know a lot of the emphasis is on Zuko and kind of what's going on. Like, you know, you have Zuko, you have Azula, you have everybody that's kind of, you know, higher energy. But Uncle Iroh low key was building, was healing those bridges yeah. <laughs> yeah. long before. And just, you know, just the fact that, you know, he's talking to, you know, he's talking to Aang. I like their conversation in the tunnel where he's like, you know, I can't master the Avatar state, you know, without letting go of. I was like, why? Like, just be your, kind of like be yourself. Like, yeah. why? You'll, you'll figure it out. Just, I, I loved that extra, that little extra moment that it's just, what I, it's one of those things about Avatar that I think people don't always give enough credit to. It's those smaller moments. Yeah that are impactful as well. Cause again, a lot of people focus on the fighting or like the, the very, the overall arching storyline, which is, which obviously is fantastic. But I think those little details are so important and what make this show special. And so just having that little caveat, that little, that little, little touch of uncle Iroh there was, was an, it was an, an added plus for this episode. And again, you know, they faked me out with Zuko too. I was like, is this going to be the moment he turns right. to good? I'm like, dang it. <laughs> I got faked out, you know, I was like, damn it. You know, like Katara, I also took it personally. So, (laughs) but well, well stated, but I I wanted to throw in the little extra plug for Uncle Iroh there. Any extra thoughts, babe? I know. I, I definitely agree. This, um, uh, especially with a part where we're thinking like, okay, is this going to be the turning point for, for Zuko? And you can see how, um, you know, they can relate that we may think that we're all so different but we all kind of have the same shared experiences. Um, I thought that that was a good look into that. I remember at the time, uh, also when it first came out, this is around the time where people were really trying to ship Zuko with Katara. Uh, they were like, oh yeah, he's just a little boy. Like, yeah, she should be with Zuko. They're like more quote unquote age appropriate. They look yeah. about the same age and oh yeah, they have this chemistry and all this kind of stuff. And um it was like disappointing to be like, Oh my God, immediately you betrayed her. (laughs) But, um, uh, I thought, yeah, this was definitely a good, this was definitely a good episode. Um, I, I definitely see why it's on your list. Um, I have no other notes. You want to just continue on into your number seven pick? I mean, sure, because it'll be it'll be pretty easy. My number seven pick was the Western Air Temple. Ah, okay. <laughs> so yeah, um, and as I said, this is where I started to have my love of. The, I feel like this is where Zuko transitioned from being like um, a Doberman 
into a golden retriever. Oh gosh, what an analogy! <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll take it. I I, I agree. Um, no extra notes. Um, but yeah, we we kind of covered it with Amanda's number eight pick. So speaking of Amanda, come back in with the great seven here. What's what's the one on number seven on your list? So I I actually picked the Siege of the North Part Two. Ooh. I kind of was like, I'm gonna go okay. episodic, even though the whole the whole two part you know episode was great. But the Siege of the North Part Two, you know, obvious, you know, at this at this juncture, you know, they've you know, Aang and Aang and crew are are you know kind of trying to work with you know kind of the the waterbenders to fight off the fire nation armada that's shown up at the door um and at this juncture of the episode you know zuko has captured ang because ang is in the avatar state zuko successfully infiltrates the fortress Mm -hmm. carries him off and of course ang can't get back into his physical corporal body without it being close by Mm -hmm. because he's commuting and he's gone into the spirit world to, to talk to roku with the the two fish that were there which were beautifully done just drawn by the way yeah um tweet so, yeah they were just beautifully done the symbolism of this episode is just is beautiful but um you know so so but of course you know zuko's captured ang ang can't they can't go anywhere because the storm is so bad so they're taking shelter in this cave but at the same time you know this this battle is going on and admiral zhao injures the one of the kills one of the fish mm-hmm. and it turns the tide of the battle in favor and just there's there's just so much so much happening here and Sokka has fallen in love with with um, Princess Yue and of course to basically turn the tide of, of the battle she sacrifices herself she tells this really cool background story of how she was a sickly child they didn't think she was going to live and all of a sudden you know she, the moon has helped her out and mm-hmm. so she decides to pay it forward in a way and like the saddest way possible but becomes in essence the moon spirit and so Sokka it made me feel bad for um for Suki the rest of the show because I was like there's there's no way you can really compete with can't always compete with the moon you can but at the same time it's like that that's a hard that's a hard one there so um but she transforms into the moon and um you know basically you get this really cool transformation from Aang when he comes back and he, he turns into this giant you know, kind of. I don't. I know catfish isn't the right term. I forget the That's name what of the it actual. Looked like, but, yeah. It looked like a catfish, but he wipes out in the Avatar state the Armada. It's one of the coolest displays of his power that you see, yeah. and it's just it's a well done. It's a well done episode. So again, you get that you get that really cool moment of how powerful the Avatar can can be, and how much more powerful can the Avatar state really push Aang. Um, but again, you get the drama elements, you get the, you know, Iroh confronting Admiral Zhao and you get the, so kind of the, the fire nation, you know, kind of drama there, mm-hmm. but then also you have this, the sad, you know, love story for Sokka. Like it just, you know, the, the role he's completely infatuated with and is a, like in love with, if you dare say, just, she sacrifices herself, but Yue's story in itself is really touching too. So you have the mix of drama, you have the mix of action. And and yes, even though it's still a win for the team, you still see the effects of the war on the people and the 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 how the how the, the buildings and all of that look and just it 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 brings home that there's the war is a real thing and it's not it's the wars aren't pretty, they're ugly and and um again the symbolism in this episode was beautiful. So I I really enjoyed it because I had a little bit of, of it was a good closing uh, for the for the first book of water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I 
only thing I'll add is the um, I thought the symbolism was amazing and the foreshadowing in this episode as well. And one of the one of the examples I can think of right off the top of my head is the um, it was snowing black snow and they're like, no, that's not that's not black snow. That's soot. That's ash. They're coming. Um, and, and, and they were coming with a force so large that it would seem like, you know, the snow that is falling is, is black. And, um, you know, coming back to your point, Amanda, about how powerful the Avatar state was and how basically turned into, uh, Aang turned into a kaiju and, and wiped out <laughs> the whole armada, that display of power was incredible and there was just such amazing imagery in this episode with the moonlight and or lack thereof and what they were able to do with the color palette and the animation just gorgeous babe any um any thoughts um you know i think in this episode too we saw a little bit like of course you know what our main focus is is what's going on in the perspective of the you know the the water tribe um, and them trying to defend themselves and then the issue with the the moon spirit and with, you know, the what's going on as far as like the love between or the the I don't want to say lust because they're kids. Uh-huh. But the, the, <laughs> so we'll say like the the, the childlike love between uh, UA and, and Sokka. Um, but you also do get to see a glimpse, too, of well, not more than a glimpse of what's going on with the Fire Nation and the relationship between Zuko, the generals, um, his him and his uncle, because his uncle didn't want, him, you know, he's in this this pursuit of getting his honor back by getting, you know, the Avatar. Um, I'm not sure if it was so much in this episode or maybe the next one, but his uncle was very mad at him because he's yeah. like, "What the hell were you gonna do? You were out there, you gonna you would have frozen to death." And he's like, "Well, I didn't." He's like, "The only reason why you didn't was because of the Avatar, the mercy that he gave you." Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and you get to see kind of that dynamic, and you see why he is so hell bent. You get a glimpse as to why he's so hell bent on getting his honor back because. Because it has been stripped away from him by his own father, nobody else feels the need to respect him, regardless of his station, as mm-hmm. essentially being the crown prince. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because regardless of his father saying that you, you know, you you have no honor and I've stripped it from you, and you've got a physical reminder that everyone can see. I mean, still, if we're just talking about nobility, how dare you, as a general, talk to me in the way that you're talking to me? And you would think that that would be the case, right? Like within the family, we know what it is, but for the rest of the nation and for your army to treat me this way, it's crazy. Yeah. And so we start to see like, this is why he's like that. He's basically alienated from his whole people because they can see you're, you have been dishonored and for your own father to do this to you. Why should any of us respect you? What kind of life is that? But again, maybe that's just me being totally and completely just like, Zuko is my boy. <laughs> and I, mean, I will sing his praises until the end. None of it is his fault. One of the best things about Uncle Iroh is that he's just like the best therapist ever. He's mm-hmm. going to sit you down and fuck your life up with some truth. Yeah. And he did that the whole series. But um, all right. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're at number six. I want these next three to be the lightning round. Okay. okay so we're going to go over our six choices give an elevator statement or a, a quick statement on why agree disagree cool once we get back to the top three we'll go ahead and, and expound a bit more like we have been okay 
cool. Okay, so um, I'm gonna start with my number six because it's a repeat, and that is the Puppet Master. Um, amazing okay. episode um, for the reasons that we discussed. <laughs> I have no notes to add. Uh, Katara, um, Katara exclusive uh, character development episodes are great. I love them, babe. Um, my number six is the library. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there was a lot of exposition in there. I know that they were like, okay, this is what we're finding out, like when Sozin's Comet is coming and like kind of getting more of a timeline and learning more history about things. The reason I liked it the most, well, really was the end yeah. where uh, Appa gets stolen. Um, and not to say that it was funny, but I like how you, we saw how unreasonable and could be, could be yep. and the way that uh Toph had to defend herself because she's like I know that you guys think I'm like this really able person and I am but I'm also blind and I told you I can't see anything in the sand it wasn't me it was them she was like deflecting that heat she was like hey don't get mad at me get Thanks. mad at them I heard him say and yeah so that was really the last part of the episode was my favorite part yeah <laughs> I, I, I fuck with it uh Amanda go ahead with number six Mine was the storm, <clears throat> and I I really enjoyed it because you get to hear, you know, you get to see somebody again from an outsider perspective with the fisherman. That's like, oh, thanks a lot, Avatar. You know, you weren't <laughs> here when we needed you, kind of thing. And I think for Aang, the consequences of, you know, darn, like it, what I did really, it, you know, what I can and can't do really impacts people. But you get the background stories a little bit more from Aang and uh, and also for Zuko terms of of what happened with Zuko to where he is to get him to where he is right now and then same with Aang you know it's it's you see the loss of of his mentor being separated and so it's 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 hard because you get to see these stories and you remember that they're kids and Mm -hmm. these are really heavy stories for kids so I very much enjoyed this episode but that's that's why it's my number six with the storm amen uh babe let's go with number five uh the king of Omashu I just love Boomy he's like he he's crazy in the way where it's like okay that's lovable like uh it's a it's a lot bit weird um it was very um it wasn't hard to realize that boomy was ang's friend it was like okay yeah like this is your friend uh and it's but it was a little bit more weird that he was still alive uh but i guess being irreverent and crazy you don't have to worry about death (laughs) um so yes i liked it just because boomy was just insane in a very playful uh and engaging way amanda number five Number five, mine is the blue spirit, because you really get that first taste of what you get Zuko's alter ego, the blue spirit, which is just cool in general. The mask is beautiful. Yeah. Um, but he busts out Aang and you get the real taste of, you know, could they be friends? And even Aang brings up that point, like, well, I think I could. Could we be friends? And then, of course, it doesn't end that way. Yeah. But, you know, I just love that teaser. And you can really see how well they work together as a team. If they just let it happen. Yeah. Love it. I agree. Um, that actually is an omission from my list, but it is a great episode. So I'm glad that somebody brought it up. Um, five for me. Um, I, I think I am got the name of this episode wrong, but I'm going to call it the Sun Warriors. It's basically Zuko and Aang's side mission in season three, where they go and they try to find the um, Sun Warriors because Zuko is trying to teach him how to fire Ben, but his fire is acting up. So they go and they find this old or, or ancient um, civilization and they actually find the two last living dragons and they learn that fire is not a destructive entity it doesn't have to be you can it can be peaceful it can be beautiful it can be love and they learn the dragon dance and um just 
them being able to work together. And I think coming off of what we said about the blue spirit, can we be friends? I think this episode is uh, very related to how that friendship matured. And ultimately um, what, what you come to see is like, they are, uh, they are great friends and they, they, they discover this thing together and it's beautiful. And I enjoyed it. Number four, babe. Zuko alone. Zuko alone. Um, I really like this episode because I feel like this was also starting to see who Zuko is without influence from mm. other people, even even his uncle. Um, and we're we're trying to see like who who are you at the base of just your character. Um, and then this was another one where I was just like. This man just helped y'all, and all of a sudden, y'all don't, or not this man, this boy just helped y'all, and all of a sudden, now he's the bad guy because, oh, we found out he was a firebender. But, I mean, it is what it is. You're in a land that's been ravaged by fire. Um, Now everyone has to question what your, you know, um, if there's any ulterior motive as to why you're even here. It can't be that you're a good guy. Um, I, I like this. I think this is a good episode for him to kind of see him working out a little bit. Who who am I and really what's my motivation? And should I be backing my family, my nation? Look at how all these other people are living because of us. Yeah. Um, my number four was the storm um, for some of the same reasons Amanda said. I think that the other episode with um avatar roku and sozin was basically the storm part two because in season one we got the storm that you know basically uncle iroh is telling the crewmen about uh zuko's story and what he's been through and ang had to talk about what he's been through in the cave while Sokka was off working i love these episodes and it really just hammers home how ang and, and zuko were meant to be friends and i enjoyed that immensely number four for you amanda we talked about it is a crossroads of destiny okay. for me no additional notes to add it just <laughs> i just love this episode so much gucci okay so we're in the top three now y'all these are these are the 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 heavy hitters we're going to take yeah, a little bit of time the 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 creme de la creme i love it let's start with you babe uh, what is your third favorite episode of Avatar Last Airbender? We're going deep into these now, y'all. Oh, the, okay. the, the the uh lightning round is over. It's funny that you say that because it is the blind bandit. Ah. <laughs> so we already went pretty deep okay. with it. Uh I think I'll just add that I thought it was pretty important. Um, probably because, you know, like you say, hindsight is twenty twenty. Also given, you know, if we were just saying like, hey, these are the only episodes of Avatar that we ever watch and we're not even thinking about, you know, the next Avatar um um series. Yeah, correct, the next Avatar series mm-hmm. um with Korra. Um but since we don't exist in a vacuum and we already talked about, you know, the main things about what we like about Toph, uh I you know, this was I think such an important episode for getting to know her um, or starting to get to know her, being introduced to her. I mean, she's really integral to the lives of of two iterations of the Avatar. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, like very important to the point where, I mean, she even produces, <laughs> I hate to say it that way, but other important characters within, you know, the next, uh, the next generation, mm-hmm. right? Her children and her grandchildren are mm-hmm. very important to what happens with Korra. Um, not to mention herself and getting Korra to basically get out of her own fucking way. Yeah. I mean, yes, she had some real physical things that were messing her up, but she helped her to to get out of her. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I hope Toffet. Well, I don't think she'd be around for the for the next iteration of the Avatar. That would be amazing. But um, she's just she's way more important, I think, than she gets the credit for. Yeah. Um, maybe not with the show, but with the people like ranking who is like the most, not the most important character, but their favorites. Um, and so because all of that, that informed my decision on the blind bandit being my number three. I mean, the, the leaps and bounds in earthbending that she has made, um, alone by herself is just insane uh i think she's so important to that world she's so important to this particular series um and just the lineage of avatars period yeah uh any any extra thoughts there uh, amanda i know we uh kind of went over the blind bandit a little earlier but adding anything i mean you i think what everybody shared here was just was perfect it was a great it's a great episode and Toph is like the it's like okay Earth Kingdom's like hi we're here and we're just gonna send the best that we have and here she is and mm-hmm. she really is insane just mm-hmm. just all the way around I just she's awesome she delivers always yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nothing to add my third favorite episode we just talked about Zuko alone um, it's it's another one of those episodes, Amanda, that you uh, that you refer to where the world kind of responds to our characters and we get a perspective of imperialism and the um, the 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 benefits, I guess, but also the takeaways. What what Zuko had a front row seat to his father's effect on the world and how everyone turned on him so quickly just for being a fire nation with with absolute right they have absolute reason to now treat him like trash or give him his knife back or tell him to get the hell out of here even if he's doing right by those people you've done wrong so long you're a part of a regime that's done wrong for so long people cannot just forgive like that and it's really one of those things where these child soldiers that we're talking about because that's what it really is this you know all our characters these child soldiers are starting to get a front row seat of the perspective of what what this war is doing and this was such an introspective episode for me with Zuko or through Zuko because he was able to actually not only have that perspective but experience it living with them sleeping in their barn you know helping them with work when you become the people that you're subjugating it's very difficult to not change your mind or or have that affect you deeply and i thought it was so important this episode for his character development not only this but other episodes in bossing say where he spent a lot of time with uncle iroh that i just couldn't get to fit on my list but zuko alone is clearly and indefinitely a top three episode for me oh that's such a solid it's a solid choice i i what i also thought about the episode too was just the vulnerability that Zuko has in that moment where that little kid he helped out just turns his back on him. Mm -hmm. And you can see that hit home and just, just the emotional range in this episode to really cement that understanding that people are really, you, you pissed off a lot of people. I'm just gonna, you know, and it just putting that, putting that mildly, right. It's, it's front row seat. 
just I think in just those emotional nuances for this episode were just mm. perfect. And you see the hurt in Zuko's face and he tries to just kind of hmm and, and just tries to just kind of hold it in, but you can see he wants to just react and that moment just hit home. But again when that that one little kid was like mm like go on get. Right. I mean that was that was powerful. That was powerful. It's a great choice. Okay. Well keep keep us going here, Amanda. Give us your top third episode. So mine was actually Sozin's Comet Part 3 because I feel like, you know, you're getting that build. It's almost like the two towers of Lord of the Rings where Ooh. things are amping up and you're getting ready to hit Return to Return of the King. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, you have the, the, the first confrontation really between Ozai and, you know, and Aang. And there's just like, it's like, it's such a powerful, and you see Ozai like in his element, you know, yeah. just like, you know, he's at like the, the apex of his power. He's ready to go. And and you really sense Aang's vulnerability in this episode because he still has a master of the Avatar state. He's kind of, his emotions are still mixed from hearing everybody, including the air, the previous air airbender is mm-hmm. like, you're going to have to kill, you're going to have to kill him. And even though, yes, you can see that sense of I'm ready to, to face my destiny, by having that conversation with the lion turtle too like he's got that knowledge in him but he's trying to do other things to just like can we just can, do we have to fight right. um so you have you have that that powerful element where again you have that that vulnerable and you really realize that this is an adult male <laughs> going yeah. against a child, a child. Yeah. like i feel like this episode really drove that point home with the way that they were fighting i mean it's whatnot. not his first time fighting a child so mm. <laughs> yeah yeah mm. right and it's just but it still hits it still hits it still hits home for sure but then really i think for zuko this was such a a, a key character moment because he goes up against his sister and finally you know the battle he's confident enough to go up against her and and he's mastered he's worked with lightning but what i loved was that he took that bolt and you can see that character change in him but he took what was meant for katara and mortally gets basically nearly mortally wounded himself mm-hmm at this point and old Zuko would not have done that old Zuko would have been about victory at any cost and for him to sacrifice himself especially for someone like Katara who was so angry at him in the beginning really shows how their friendship came around mm-hmm. full circle so I loved I loved that moment even though I was here like y'all kill my boy Zuko <laughs> I am I, I will walk yeah. I am flipping <laughs> the table <laughs> I'm not here for it but then even just seeing Azula finally get the consequences of her actions and just the, the moment where her mom is in the mirror and all of that, it's it, it. there was a lot of different moving pieces here and they were all done really well. And you get to see Uncle Iroh as like, again, continuing to be a badass with the, the, the White Lotus, yeah. you know, and you get to see everybody come together. So that was that was fun just watching that 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 build. Um, so you have again, a lot of moving pieces here. I really enjoyed it. I was like, it's going to set up for a really incredible finale. It's all coming together, but again, you still get those those moments of you, we still have a little bit more growth to go. But at the same time, here's here's why I've come full circle again is somebody like Zuko and Kantara too. Was this the episode um, with uh, the final Acne Kai between? Um, yeah, between Zuko and, and Azula. Azula. What, yeah, what a I think it was kind of completed yeah. in the fourth one animation just 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 they they took out all sounds and you just got the music the the just that was just stunning i yeah 
Any any thoughts, babe? I absolutely agree. Uh, it is this one is on my list. Um, so I think um, the the main part that caught me was the the ending. I guess basically, but really the Agni Kai between Zuko and Azula. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think it was definitely a good culmination of just basically their whole relationship with each other yeah um i like what they have what they did with with azula's descent into madness i suppose because i think i think everybody always thought she was crazy but when we're finally starting to get to the point where it's like hey we know azula is going to succeed uh her father as being the fire lord um and everyone needs to treat her thusly i think everybody treated her with kid gloves already but it was mostly because like azula's crazy and nobody wants to get zapped by her but now it's more so like oh she's gonna be the next fire lord um nobody wants to be beheaded or exiled or anything like that by doing something wrong to her but she takes it to a whole nother level it seems as though as soon as she gets the confirmation of what she's always wanted Mm -hmm you see her losing the grip on her sanity. It's almost as if, hey, let me t- keep some type of control on this. Like, yeah, the aggression and stuff like that is fine because my dad enjoys that. But my actual insanity, I have to keep a tight grip on that because I need to get what I want. As soon as it's confirmed you're getting what you want, she just kind of let the reins loose and she started doing things that even pushed her own friends away yeah. uh, and quote unquote betray her. And I then we love get- Zuko more than I fear you. Is what May said at Boiling Rock. So, you know, we have all of that. And that's informing. As soon as she sees him, it's kind of like, where else am I going to focus all of my rage? It's your fault. Um, and then so they, they, they're fighting. Zuko is clearly getting the upper hand. And so she's like, OK, I'm going to lose unless I do something underhanded. Let me kill this girl over here. He showed up with her. Clearly there's some bond there. That's going to shake him up so much that I can win. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, Zuko takes the lightning. We kind of see like, okay, this is where his friendship and his loyalty has developed with Katara. Uh, And then she takes over from there. Uh, She essentially beats her. Uh, They tie her up together. And I think at that point we see the utter and complete despair of azula um it it's almost too hard to watch her break down like that i i actually really felt for her like there was no lower that she could go she isn't totally and completely overwhelmed inconsolable Uh, i mean with with herself tied up there's nothing she can do but but breathe fire She's trying anything that she can do to get free or to hurt somebody while just bawling her eyes out. And it's mm-hmm. just like, again, she's a child and even more so immature than the rest of them. Mm. 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 I thought that was really powerful. This shit is deep, man. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to do my number two. And I think with my number two and number one picks, y'all are going to see why my list kind of came together the way okay. it did. But my number two episode was the Ember Island Players. It was largely a side story. It was largely a filler episode. But this is filler done right. This is singularly, in my opinion, the best piece of filler in animation. 
um, because what does it do? It summarizes the show from a perspective of Fire Nation propaganda, and you get all of these caricatures of everyone, and you see how bothered they are, and Toph has this really big buff guy, <laughs> and she just loves that that's her portrayal, or that's how Fire Nation sees her, it really gets a kick, um, and Aang is like, why am I a girl, and, and there's just so much interpersonally happening with in the group and we get to see that from another lens and then get to see their um the, the the way that they accept this information and it really is a filler episode but it's just like this is this is how you do it this is how you summarize this 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 journey this odyssey that they've been on before the end game of uh Sosa's comet um and it's 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 one of my favorite episodes and that yeah that's what i got okay you're i mean i wouldn't have looked at it that way um i appreciate your appreciation for for this episode i think it is cool you did get to see a side of um of people uh I, i guess a side of all the characters that maybe you wouldn't have noticed before um because you're getting to see how the rest of the world sees them or how they're introduced to them um yeah, I don't know. It didn't even make my list, so I think that's interesting. That's fascinating. Yeah, it didn't make mine either. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's a whole like my mind is literally blown right now because I'm like I didn't really think about it from like yeah, you're right. It is filler done right, and I mean I enjoyed the humor of this episode for sure. <laughs> you know, Sokka's like let me, and I love how Sokka turned it around too. It was like let me, I got jokes for you. Let me, let me help you right, out. Right. He kind of flushed out his own. This is um, what I would say. <laughs> Yeah, I saw it. I saw it at all. And yeah, Toph getting the kick out of being like a big, a big, a big old dude. I mean, it was you. The perspective of this is how the world sees them is it's it's spot on, and it's it's funny, it's hilarious, but also kind of forces them to look at look at themselves. Yeah. And it's like, well, why why do I get perceived that way? And you know, Ang's jealousy over you know, Katara and, and Zuko and like the whole, like he, he didn't know about that. So it's just kind of seeing all of those gaps being plugged in, but the vulnerabilities, the humor, I can, I can see, I can see why you enjoy this episode. And I like Courtney, I appreciate, I appreciate your appreciation. appreciate <laughs> the fact that you're making me look at it differently. And I like that. Thank you. I feel like if, if, if a show can make me enjoy a filler episode, it needs to be high tier. Um, and you know, no other, no other thoughts, honestly. I think that you guys uh, gave great insight into it as well. But it's just, it's just really one of those things where, if you want to talk full circle, if you want to talk character arcs, if you want to talk um, summarization, um, there are a lot of anime and a lot of cartoons that do it, and they'll never achieve it this way. Um, so for me, that was very profound, babe. Number two. Uh, number two for me. Uh, was really this one was really based off of emotion for me and kind of just how it made me feel and how I think it made me feel like the gamut of emotions mm. uh, the tales of bossing say and I think this is the one too where a lot of people um, I mean just to kind of jump into it grieved um, with with Uncle Iroh mm. and we got to see like you know normally he comes off as someone that's just like oh like forever congenial and positive and things like that and yeah there's there's really nothing that could get uncle iroh down even if you throw any sort of um 
uh, dilemma at him. He can figure it out and he can do it in a way that makes everyone else feel almost not good about the situation they're in, but not feel like it's desperate and hopeless. And then you kind of get to see where it's almost like he can be that way for all things because all of his grief is in the loss of his son. That's Mm. where all of that, where all of that lives. And then you also get to see it. um, It mirrored in his disappointment um, in the, in, in Zuko when he, you know, does the things where he's like, how could you make this decision? Right. Um, How could you go with your sister? You know, um, when we were seeing like the, the difference between loyalty to your nation and then also morality. Um, and then you have the things with like the the bonding between Katara and Toph where they have their girls day. Um, and it's it's mostly funny and and heartwarming to just see them kind of connect just as girls. But then you get a little bit of, you know, these little catty girls making fun of Toph and how she looks, knowing that she she doesn't know how she looks. She's trusting Katara, whoever she's with, to make her up, to dollar up, that she looks pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to be hit with the realization that I can't even see what I look like and other people are making fun of me. Uh, of course, because she's so strong um, and just like, I'm not just going to let anybody get away with it she dumps them into the that little river and she opens up a hole in that bridge that they're on dumps them in the river and she kind of gets her get back yeah. but i do also like how then katara tries to comfort her and tells her all of the things that are not um predicated upon how she looks that she admires about her you know her her strength and you know her her sense of will and all these things that it, it doesn't matter how you look these things are without a doubt felt by everybody that you come into contact with. And I wish that I had more of that. And and also on, on top of that, I think that you're very pretty. Uh, and I like how, you know, Toph is still sad, sad, maybe upset. And she kind of says, well, I wish I could give you the same compliment, but I just don't know. Uh, and then we have, you know, Sokka, he somehow gets mixed up with this poetry club. Uh, and he thinks it's stupid and silly, but, as we're going throughout his experience, he starts to kind of get into it um, and engage with everybody. I mean, ultimately, he gets kicked out because he's not following the rules of, I guess, iambic pentameter or whatever the rules of poetry are there. Um, but I like how we're tackling with him, him not taking things seriously that he's not good at or that he's not natural at and then saying, well, since I'm not good at it, it must not be serious. It must not be worth anything. It's just silly and frivolous and, you know, not worth, um, not worth giving attention to or giving importance to. Um, and then, you know, we have Aang where he's helping the zookeeper build up the walls uh, or build up a new zoo. Uh, for that one, I mean, I didn't have so much of an emotional connection with that particular part of the story, but as a whole, I thought it was good to see everyone largely independently living out a day and just kind of seeing how they're interacting with others. I think it was really important for the interaction between Katara and Toph. Um, and then the high point or the most emotional point for me was seeing Uncle Iroh kind of going throughout the day, interacting with townspeople, being the type of person where you're like, he's just this, you know, he's just this person that's full of empathy. He's kind. People are drawn to him. Um, he's just this spirit that 
I think can't be denied as far as like he's he's the type of spirit that brings comfort to people mm-hmm. and then you see at the end it's almost like who brings comfort to Iroh and it's like it probably was his son but his son is gone and it's just this quiet really deep profound sadness but even just like thinking of it now makes me want to cry. Yeah. And it's like this is this is something that someone who's so bright has to deal with. You know, there's this 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 really deep darkness that's hidden by all of this brightness and it's it's really intense. It's like, I don't know. It made me feel a lot. Yeah. This episode made me feel a lot. Feelings. Um I agree. And then the the music leaves from mm. the vine just break, it breaks me uh Amanda any any <laughs> I see you going through it over there I'm with you I'm with you Courtney this is actually my number two as well okay um because I'm like you I connected this is probably the moment of the show where I connected the hardest emotionally because you know and you said everything beautifully like I, I feel like with with Katara and Toph like their bonding was it was a lesson in itself in that I feel like it, it was telling a lot of young girls like, hey, you, there's more to you than just looks. I think especially making a point in a society where women's looks all across the board tend to get commented on, mm-hmm. you know, and that's something that's something a lot of us, you know, work through is self-esteem issues. And so just that that beautiful message of we can empower each other and, you know, talk about there's so many other qualities that make us unique. Like I loved I loved that. And just, you know, it was a good mix of humor and vulnerability for the different characters. And like Sokka, like his his whole thing was, you know, and a lot of people do that where if they're not good at something, they kind of find a way to minimize it because it helps them feel better. Yeah. And I think for Sokka, seeing that kind of trait, you know, as, as part of his character growth in that, you know, it's it's what, you know, I'm not good at this. I'm going to. I'm going to kind of joke around about it. We're going to play around around about it. And you can, you know, I've done that too sometimes where I'm like, okay, yeah, I can make a joke about something if I'm not good at it because that makes it easier for me to handle that. Yeah. And so it's a very human, it's a very relatable thing that you're seeing him kind of work through. And then, of course, you have a little bit of the humor with Momo looking for Appa. But man, General Iroh, it's literally, I feel like this episode was the the quote with the happiest people sometimes have the saddest backstories and the fact that instead of taking this grief and turning it into a place of anger the fact that he can take the grief and the pain and everything that he's experienced and turn it around into something positive for other trying to better the people around him especially Mm -hmm. zuko you know i think he sees a lot of himself in zuko and you know, kind of is trying to, to, to help him out. But man, when he sang the song yeah. to the little boy and then, well, that was like, oh my gosh. And, you know, my my boyfriend's a huge Avatar fan as well. And in our bedroom, he has a print. Yeah, he's, he's snickering <laughs> over here because I'm here like, I can't look at that now. And like, no, it's <laughs> because it's like, it's the song lyrics. And yeah. it's Iroh with the sun. And I'm just like, I can't, like, it was just, it was so powerful when that hit. I cried like a baby. Mm. Um, it just, yeah, you're snickering over here. Did you enjoy my tears? <laughs> I know. Um, but it is, it was so beautifully done and just really, 
can solidify for me why people love Iros so mm. much. You know, do you understand his pain and where he's coming from? And you feel that and it's like, oh, and I'm glad we had Momo looking for Appa because I, I needed that after something so heavy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like you, Courtney, I, I, Aang, I felt like they kind of were giving him, I didn't connect with that part of it emotionally with building the zoo, but I kind of feel like, you know, it was nice to see him use his powers to help people in kind of a very general way. Like, you know, yeah. it, it, for me, it felt like, okay, we look at the avatar and as a very godlike being, but at the same time, the people around are like, well, they kind of think about the worlds that they live in and they're kind of immediate centers. And it's, you know, Avatar, that's great that you're a god, but hey, can you help me put up the zoo? Right, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. it's fun to see that perspective of the Avatar and how people relate to, again, they don't always have such a huge understanding or huge grasp of what the Avatar really can do, but it's, hey, this is my immediate world, and this is how you as the Avatar relate to me in my immediate world. So that was a, a fun little fun little reminder that people that it's not always about the grand scheme or cosmos of things. It's like the, again, the little details too, that just made this episode beautiful. So I, I'm like, you're, you're telling how you're feeling Courtney. I was like, ah, I'm right there. I want to cry too. <laughs> so good. Yeah. This was, this was one of the great ones. I think <clears throat> I definitely, this is where I got the most emotionally involved, especially with uncle Iroh. I think we always were like, Oh yeah. Who wouldn't love for him to be your uncle? Uh, and then you're like, oh, God, he's like, he's got so much depth to him. And I think throughout the show, too, we saw, um, because besides being, you know, a kind, empathetic person who, you know, also we see is also dealing with with grief that doesn't seem to have lessened throughout the years. Um, he also can be like pretty, pretty badass. Like he's not static at all. I, I He's almost kind of, I don't know, do I think maybe Uncle Arm is my top? my top character he's a very well fleshed out multifaceted character yeah um yeah i could just have a show of uncle iroh his exploits from you know boyhood to manhood that was the supposed first um uh first spinoff idea was for a uncle iroh show with uh june the hunter i believe that never got off the ground That'd be cool. That'd be like a whole, um, his whole life was basically like songs and avatar. They were living in a world without an avatar. So So, um, let's bring it back to Amanda. Let's bring it home. I'm going to let's do your number one favorite episode of avatar. Oh man. I, for me, it has to be Sozin's comet part four. Mm -hmm. That is one of the best finales ever. I mean, all of the storylines were tied up and you really see Aang, the character development come to fruition. Yes, he got the Avatar power, but he didn't compromise himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it and it's insane to think that a child removed an adult's ability. Like that's something that you've grown up with your whole life. Like if you're like, wow, you took away the essence of what I did that in a lot of ways, like that hit home harder than just straight up killing Ozai mm-hmm. like that that is you, you you took away a fundamental part of a person's self and that is terrifying um in its own right and you know seeing again everybody's culmination come together where their powers or their leveled up powers come in and the bonds of their friendship come in and um you know again like Toph with her metal bending I mean that that is an insane ability in itself 
I mean, just to be able to do something that no other earthbender has been able to do before. Um, it's again, it, it's like the return of the king. Like if people talk about these great finales where everything came together, you mm. had the fights, you had the emotional connections. Like this honestly is one of the best for me, like top five finales of all time on TV because it was perfectly executed mm. and really just gave you an appreciation for how much growth Aang has had throughout the series. So I'm here for it. Again, it's, it's just one of the best. Again, it's my return to the King. It's so, so good. So I'm, I'm here for it. Well-written more shows should do something like this. Look, pay attention, tie up all your loose ends and do it. Like just ace it like the way this was done. Mm. Mm. Any thoughts, babe? I absolutely agree. I, you know, when watching it, look, I was on the side of Avatar Kiyoshi and the rest of them, but foremost her, because you know, she was the one that got down. She was like, what? The quickest way to get rid of my problem is to kill it. Get rid of them. Um, And I like how, I think they also, it kind of ties into how we feel about children. I think as a whole, they're not bogged down with all of the, the thoughts about, you know, what could happen if I don't do this? And, you know, because of the way that the world is, you know, we have to make these sort of decisions, even if we don't want to. And, you know, things are so complicated. And I think, you know, with him still being a child, even with all of the things that happened to him and to his people and his friends and things like that leading up to this point, I think because of him being a child uh, and just kind of the nature of Aang in general, he said it it really doesn't have to be that complicated. I don't have to like I don't have to kill him. Mm-hmm. And he found a simple way to alleviate the problem. And I think also to stop the Fire Nation from creating a martyr. Cause if he had killed him, at that point it's like, okay, yes. You know, our fire lord was a very um, accomplished firebender. Let's say he was even the best firebender. But I mean, okay, let's be real. The Avatar was the only person that could have killed him. So we can't even really be mad at him or say that he was weak or anything like that. Like, I'm sure he gave a great fight and we're going to rally behind our martyr. But with Aang taking away his bending and then him just kind of... I mean, almost basically going catatonic. It's like your fire Lord is still alive was the only thing that gave him power that gave him, you know, his, his, his ability to rule over you guys, whatever, whatever you thought was charming about him was his bending. If that was the only largely most of you guys can't fire bend. And so now all I did was take away his fire bending. He can't rule you now. He's less of a person. Look at him. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it, I think it I think that was a good way to, again, not create a martyr. And that in even the people wanted to looking at him, nothing else is wrong with your leader besides the fact that I took away his bending and and look at him. And I think that was a way for everyone to have to examine, like the person that we were following was weak. Mm-hmm. He was a weak minded person that relied solely upon the fact that he was a firebender and that he came from a royal lineage uh and i think that was also the easy way then to kind of prop up i mean not really prop up it's his birthright right uh but to prop up zuko 
um, and say, you know, get with a guy who was on the right side of history. Also, he's still a part of that lineage. So you can feel good that we're not breaking up this line of succession, really, because the other two were clearly unfit. What kills me about it is um, the the way that this kind of uh, attaches to society today, um, because really what Aang did was he took away his gun. He took away his gun. He ruled over people with fear and he took away his gun and he became the ultimate deterrent for the bullshit. Like, okay, play around me. I'll take away your bending. (laughs) And yeah, you take somebody's gun and you see how they're actually a coward or they're actually not fit to rule or they're actually, you know, not as scary as you thought they were. And it really kind of mirrors society today with the whole, you know, conversation around guns and and the Second Amendment and these different types of things. I just think people are so afraid to their guns to be taken away and them to actually be seen as cowards because all of your power was in your hand. And if somebody took it away now, you're nothing. And I thought that was the most profound thing about the way that. Aang decided to take care of the Fire Lord or handle the Fire Lord or ultimately end the war. Mm. And, you know, people say, oh, well, I have to have my gun. It's like, well, the Avatar, they took the gun away and the war was over. It was decades of peace. Who yeah. figured? But um, that's a great choice, Amanda. Any um, any any other thoughts, babe? No, I think... Fitting and proper for number one. <laughs> What's your uh, number one? Because my number one is Tales of Ba Sing Se. Okay. My number one is actually Sozin's Comet Part 3. So okay. the the episode before. Mm-hmm. And for all the reasons that um, I said previously, um, I think I... I I think in a lot of other shows that we we've all been a part of when we're talking about the type of characters that I enjoy. And I always say I love an unhinged bitch. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> Azula, I mean, she's capable, right? When you see when she's actually bending and things like that, oh, yeah. she's an excellent firebender. The the control that she even has of her own body. Um, there was that one, I, I can't remember the, the name of the episode, but I believe it was at a prison that was in the Fire Nation and she showed up with um, with May and... Oh, Boiling Rock, yeah. Okay, yes. And she did that one move where she basically like flipped and caught herself and she basically like kicked out um, fire. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of martial artists like basically try to do that move and it takes crazy upper body strength and like a mastery of like your core and your balance. I mean, I know she's just like a, a cartoon character, but the way that they set up Azula to be like... I think the main thing we think of is okay the aggression and the underlying the underlying insanity yeah. that kind of drives a lot of her her ambition and her goals um, and she's she's very driven by kind of her base needs like whatever she wants in that moment she's gonna do there's not a lot of impulse control yeah um, but it makes you wonder how could someone get to such a level of mastery of of bending that she was at. I mean, if she wasn't insane and like a villain, she definitely would have been a, an amazing contender to be um, Aang's 
a uh, fire a bending master. Oh yeah. I mean, if Aang learned how to control lightning, how to do I mean, I thought that she was such a compelling character and then also when we kind of get glimpses into how she was as a child and how people were felt put off by her as a child. Mm-hmm. And even if this is like innate to her personality, how that could affect a child. Right. And how you decide to deal with that, because maybe some kids will say, oh, I'll hide this part of myself so I can get people to love me. Whereas she kind of just fell head first into it. Oh, you're not going to love me. You think I'm weird. You think I'm bad. You think I'm this fine. Take the reins off. I'm just going to be that. I don't need your love. In fact, I'm going to be worse. Since you think I'm so bad, I'm going to be worse. Mm. I'll show you what bad is. You think this is bad? Um, And then in this episode, you know, to see the culmination of all of those years and really what it it looks like is the jealousy that she had of Zuko Mm. Um, come to a head and be like see there really wasn't any need for me to be jealous I always knew that I was better than you and I am the heir apparent and right now I'm going to beat not even beat you into submission I'm going to kill you I'm going to kill you I really kind of wanted to do it this whole time but there was like that whole familial thing and I was trying to get you kind of on my side a little bit because who even cares at that point you're disgraced so you're not you're not competition now anymore but now the reins are off i don't even have to worry about that i want to kill you and then to be thwarted and it just basically your whole life flashing before your eyes of i i don't know i feel like she comes from a place of just not being enough and then at that point she was shown that she was not enough and it seems like all of it really is of her own doing but it was really compelling to see her uh, to see her get beat and her reaction to getting beat. And then also kind of the the interaction between Zuko, not kind of, but the interaction between Zuko and Katara um, and their friendship growing and seeing, you know, Katara also realizing how much Zuko was willing to put on the line, not just for everybody, but I mean, for her. So I, yeah. I loved this episode this is the one that sticks out in my mind pretty much the most out of all of them i can never get the imagery of uh of azula being defeated uh and her despairing that out of my head that that's burned into my right and that scream yeah yeah she was crying like a baby like a literal child (sighs) man man what a deep show i mean and and i kind of glossed over it my number one is tales of boxing say i just thought like my top two were kind of filler episodes, but <laughs> yeah. um, there was only really one part of Tales of Boxing say that was actually canon, and that was Momo's story. Um, but when when you can make irrelevance uh, relevant, um, and you can you know provide uh, things that are not really within the the structure of the story and make it some of the most beautiful things or things of the story. That's a that's a win. Tales of Bossing Say is my favorite episode. Um and it's been it's top two for all of us. So uh <laughs> that's the list, you guys. Um Sozan's Comet Part Four, Sozan's Comet Part Three, Tales of Bossing Say took our top spots. I will post on Twitter the uh 
episodes. And um, I'll post the graph that we created here and I'll make sure um, we'll uh, tag Amanda and Courtney. And if anybody has any insight, we were wrong. We were tripping. How could you not do the great divide? <laughs> go ahead and let us know. Otherwise, we'll go on um, an excellent job, ladies. I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, we'll go on to our final uh, segment, our ongoing series. And we finally get to discuss... <laughs> Solo leveling episodes three to six. Since the last time we've checked in, we went through episodes one to three. So now this month we're doing three to six. Most recently, Jin Wu Sung had to kill the raid party that betrayed him um, and tried to leave him and his boy in there to the boss. And and Jin Wu beat the boss's ass, and then he came back and got the got the got the uh, special assignment that you got to kill these people or your heart's gonna stop, fam. How do you feel about it, Amanda? What's your overall impressions of Solo Eleven? Had to haven't had the chance to talk to you since the series started. I know you covered on Anime Pop, but talk to us about Solo Eleven just a little bit. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. The manhwa is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. It's just one of those that just from start to finish just finished. Yeah. And it was captivating. It hooked you. It had the for me, I feel like if you had Isekai and Shonen and had a baby, this would be so leveling because I think that's why people love it so much because it has, of course, like the like I love Isekai. I love yeah. Shonen. It's got but for me the best elements of both. And I feel like that's why it's giving shows like one piece of run for the money you know right now like it's one of the i want to say solo leveling is probably like one of the most top watched yeah. animes right now 100%. and so like you can see why it's giving the run for the money and um the show has been fan the show has been great i know like, i think for me it was a little different seeing uh some of the the, the more higher level hunters being introduced a little bit earlier yeah. you're getting a little bit more um feedback or at least a little bit more development around the side some of the other side characters um so that's that's a little different but to me it doesn't necessarily take away yeah um you know it it's still done in an order where you you know okay these these faces are going to come up later and then when they do it's still going to work but i feel like the the anime stays fairly true to the manhwa Mm -hmm. um the animation has been great as well i know a lot of people were like this would be better if it had been mappa i'm like i (laughs) thought it's still really really well done in these last three episodes this last episode Mm. Oh man, it was so good, and you get to see that that darkness. And that's what I, I like about Sung Jin Woo is he's not just your typical isekai protagonist where he's happy go lucky. And you, I mean, obviously you're going to root for him, but he's not clueless. Like he's almost like an antihero, kind of very. Yeah. I mean, just just you can feel the the darkness. Like this was a very dark turn where it's like here you get to kill people even though yeah they're douchey and they deserve it because clearly they've killed other people but it's still it's you know you have you see Sung Jin Woo lose the innocence Mm -hmm. that comes in and you're starting to see the risk that we now that we reading the manga because I think we're all caught up on it right pretty much at this point or has everybody read uh, the for the most part i fell off hard some years ago because i had gotten to where they had most uh recently i guess stopped which was oh my god i don't even know what chapters definitely past 100 uh so i'm trying okay. to get back into it i decided to just restart it as opposed to start uh start at the chapter that i um was at but also i'm i I'm not opposed to spoilers. They don't make me mad or anything like that. So if there are anything that you, anything that you want to relay that might be a spoiler, uh, spoiler alert to anybody if that does happen, but it, uh, it makes me know, never mind. It doesn't ruin anything for me. But 
yeah, I just feel like that the darkness and the danger that is coming around with this great power um, is starting to to creep out, and that's what I I'm here for it. I'm ready for the rest of it to be animated because it's only going to be crazier at that point. A hundred percent. Like we were we were watching the episode yesterday, and I'm just like every key moment that the animation has to get right. Mm-hmm. they do it and they do it spectacularly like the uh, the realization from sung that it's basically a world of strength and if i'm not strong then i'm gonna die and then yeah. the, then the special assignment came up and he said all right well it's us or them and i've never killed a person before but I don't want to die. And this is just what it is. The system's going to use me. So let me go ahead and use the system. Mm-hmm. And from there, Mans came over, thought it was a game, lost his head. <sighs> and then he just systematically took them all out. And it was so glorious and so satisfying to see animated just because like this is one of those moments where I feel like I feel like after this episode things are going to start moving a little bit faster he's 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 leveling up he's leveled up since he's going into that um into that uh uh cave uh what's it called um dungeon excuse me (laughs) um and then next up the next arc is the next dungeon that he goes into with the people from the original dungeon and then he has to fight the um the assassin guy so that's i'm i'm just so excited because yeah mappa could have done well with this ufotable could have done well with this i believe um there are a lot of studios that could have done this justice but it's so good where it is and the music and the moments and it's it's perfect so far yeah i definitely agree i liked this most recent episode because i feel like it was an introduction to the newest iteration um, of Sung Jin Woo yeah. because before you know when we were first introduced to him it's like oh you know he's you know probably the the weakest hunter in in the whole world and you know he's very uh self-deprecating and he's like oh yeah I understand and I'm kind of just here to round out the numbers and you know I'll try not to get in your way and then in that you know the original dungeon the origin dungeon he found out really fast um, what it means to be the weakest, how other people treat the weakest, how they, you know, how expendable they are. And no matter if you are smart and you come up with uh, ways to get around things or figure out puzzles and stuff like that, if you don't have the strength, you're still going to get left behind. People will thank you for it and then abandon you almost in yeah. the next breath, right? Yeah. Um, and I think in this episode, he he recalled that. You know, he said he almost forgot. This is how people are. If they think you're weak, you're expendable and they'll use you. Uh, And that other hunting party found out very quickly. um, Yeah, you know, ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun, you know. (laughs) So I'm excited to see the rest of the stories played out. I'm excited to see there's a particular one where he gets a very important skill. Um that will have i guess real consequences for a lot of people that he beats um that uh essentially whether they like it or not they become his ally he's able to use them uh i'm excited to see that i know that's probably going to be another season or two away but i really want to see their development i think they're being very true to the story yeah 
I like that they're doing with like a lot of people that we that we appreciate. Like there's a story, there's the we've already got the framework, but there's little ways that you can add in things to maybe enhance it or give context to people where the audience doesn't have to wait so long for the context. Mm-hmm. As far as like when you're reading a manhwa or, or a manga, uh, it's a little bit different when you're watching a show. Largely, audiences don't have that type of attention span. So it's like, all right, let me, let me give you something that's kind of going to help set this up for you. And you don't have to wait a couple more chapters to, to fully understand. Like when it happens here, you can refer back to that episode where I kind of told you these are how, this is the mechanics of this world or the, how the interaction between these two people are going to be, or the importance of this person. Uh, so I think they're doing a good job um, in regards to, the animation teams. I know that there was a little bit of controversy in Korea with men about the uh, opening sequence where they were saying the um, the animation team uh, has ties to the 4B movement in Korea. And then they were saying like there's hand gestures and they're referring to the size of men's appendages oh. in Korea and making oh, fun of them. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. That's I was like, I don't know. I feel like, is it a hit dog hollering where you've seen that gesture before and you thought that that's what it's about? Is this really what this animation team was doing? But, uh, you know, whatever. Well, we've seen, um, shows go between different animation teams between seasons before. So, I mean, I wouldn't be. You I think know, it was just specifically for the opening theme, though. Uh, um, well, not so much like the, the yeah, that's just the opening theme, the not the rest of the the show. Okay, well, I don't have any thoughts on that, guys. This is my first time hearing <laughs> that, but uh, yeah, it's doing really well. I'm really enjoying it. Um, the only part of the manhwa that I need to finish are the um, extra stories. Uh, the last twenty chapters are like post post game or post credits. Um, so I, I will get back to that. There are some manhwas that I would like to start, including Jungle Juice, based off of Courtney's recommendation, um, and a few more that I need to recall. But when it comes to um, manhwa and bringing this these stories over, Amanda, what do you think is going to happen? Is solo leveling the, the gateway drug for a lot of these stories that maybe don't get the shine that they deserve? But now that this has been animated, do you see us getting a lot of more uh, South Korean content? I can see that because this was a huge hit. I think I remember even the marketing before it was everywhere. And a lot of people have been waiting for it since what I think what if the, the manga was done, what, 2018, I think was when it was finished up, if I remember correctly. Two, so three years ago. It's been a few years. And yeah. so there was a lot of buzz and a lot of anticipation. And I think that, you know, I think this could be the I think this could be the gateway. This was what what was waited for. Um, mm-hmm. because I think now you're seeing not just Japanese anime, but you're seeing a little bit more Chinese yeah. content as well. You're seeing more of that like on Crunchyroll um, and other streaming platforms. And so I think I think the availability is going to be the, the big thing, too, is that, you know, if we have the platforms, you know, to 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 stream South Korean content. But I, I think this is the one. And I think um, the next whatever they adapt next, I think will be the true test because mm-hmm. the level language is sheer perfection. And that's at the bar so high that i think it's just going to come down to what the next couple of of uh, you know adaptations are going to be but i think this is this is most certainly open the door mm-hmm. for more south korean content for sure 
Okay, so we're going to go into a little bit spoiler territory. Well, a lot of bit spoiler territory. So, uh, babe, close your ears if you don't want to hear. But Amanda, I have a question for <laughs> you as a manhwa reader. And you've read the manhwa to completion? Almost. I think I'm like one chapter off. Okay. I've been kind of delaying it on purpose because I don't want to. You don't like, want it to end. I don't want to finish it. So are you team rulers or team monarchs? Hmm. I feel like the judgment here because my boyfriend's sitting here watching me and I'm like oh. you know I never thought about picking a team this is hard I, I slid this one on and it, it, I didn't did. put it in the agenda I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I can make a choice Okay, I think both of them this is hard Maybe they, I can do it without him next to me. They both have their motivations. They, <laughs> they both, both have do. their... This is... Oh, oh, man. Yeah, they both have their motivations, and that's kind of the... I have to think about that one. Okay. Oh, well, let me come back to that one, because that one, that one stumped me. I was like, this is... Which motivations do I lean towards more? <laughs> well, we we had our first guest today, and we stumped our first guest today. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, uh-huh. but... um. It's it's definitely one of those things because, you know, one one side is like, God, you're using us. We don't like this shit anymore. Let us win or leave us the fuck alone. And he's like, no, I want to see y'all just in this perpetual war. So they kill him. And then the other side is like, well, our job is destroy the world. So we can do that now. Right. And then, you know, there's a whole lot of team switching. Dark connotations, too. And that's the hard part. I mean, I think. I mean, the whole idea of, you know, it'd be nice to stop like this cycle mm-hmm. is kind of where I'm leaning more towards, but it's just both of them, I think, just have their own. There's just a dark connotation with both of them. And it's just the motivations are so sketchy for both. Nobody's way, good, to, right? Yeah, like, nobody's no- good. So it's like, which is which is the lesser evil, right? I guess is the, the choice. And so, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's a tough that's a tough question. And I think, yeah, I think just more of we want to stop this is kind of the the winning motivation at the moment it's hard Mm. there's no gray (laughs) yeah okay that's fair um any (laughs) final thoughts on solo leveling y'all we're six episodes in anything you want to proclaim any fights that you're really looking forward to seeing animated babe um i think i alluded to what i'm looking forward to most i um I'm just really excited it's finally out. It's really been, we've been talking about it for years. I mean, at least what, three or four years? There's been the buzz around it and people have been talking about it. I guess I'm glad that they did take their time or they have been taking their time just with, you know, what we know about what's going on with these animation studios and how they're, I mean, basically working these animators to death. Yeah. Uh, And then kind of the pushback that they're getting from the consumers, like being like, ah, I can tell you rushed it. It was, was, you know, it was shit. And it's like the only reason we're rushing it is because you guys are feverish consumers and our overseers are you know forcing us to so i'm glad that they're taking their time to make sure that it's right and um i mean so far so good i i i can't even imagine them messing it up they're doing such a great job amanda arise that's Mm. all i have (laughs) that's what i'm ready for i'm ready to see that go go down I'm you know we were talking about over here like where we think the season with this where the season is going to end and I'm curious like where do you guys think is going to be the stopping point because I you know and and 
So I'm curious to see what you guys think, because I, I I would love to see that moment happen mm-hmm. and so kind of seeing the building of, you know, the allies. I'm trying to get not to spoil it too much, but then also, you know, the next big arc. Yeah. Coming to with our less human. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a great question. I kind of see the manhwa having three main parts, right? There's the part that we're kind of in now that I feel like ends at a rise for the first time. So maybe that egress fight where he goes to yeah. get his job change and, and he's like, Oh, I'm going to be a fighter. And they're like, no, you're shadow monarch. And he's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and, yeah. um, I, I think that would be a great end to the season where it's just a rise and egress comes into, um, you know, his allyship. Uh, for lack of a better term. But what I'm really excited for is possibly seeing more characterization for his allies. We got a bit of that in the mind web, whereas though they have personalities, they have, you know, um, uh, uh, motivations, of course, to serve him. But also, um, I think next season would be really great for the Ant Island arc. I don't think I don't think we have a chance of getting there this season. But then, of course, we know he get, he gains a really good ally at that point as well. I would feel like that's the second third of the manhwa. And then from there, kind of end game begins with learning about the, the monarchs and the rulers and, you know, all of all of that stuff. So uh, I hope that answered the question. No, I think that that did. I Because we were thinking, OK, it might wind up. I kind of felt like it was going to end at the start of Ant Island because I feel like they're, they are covering quite a bit they they introduce people already they're kind of moving even though yeah. yes it doesn't feel that way in a way and which is kind of which is cool too because you you feel like it is mirroring the the manhwa very well with the pacing but i feel like they're gonna they're gonna go a little fa- it just depends on how many seasons they want i, I, to I was gonna say it. how many how many episodes are we getting is, is it 12 episodes or I is it like 12 this time okay so it's 12 so that's i'm like we're we're halfway so i'm like i could see it going to to the beginning of an island I think Brandon was thinking it was going to go all the way through Ant Island. And so like right at the finish, like at the finish of Ant Island. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll be great take it. for sure. I'm like, I'm here for it animated. I'm like, please. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot that needs to happen. I guess, I guess we'll see. Babe, what do you, what, what do you think? And, and you already talked about what you were looking for. Yeah. To, I mean, I don't know because the way that, they are splitting up kind of the different I don't want to say arcs for Jun Woo but like the different ways that he's kind of leveling up it seems like we're getting two episodes per like something happening or dungeon so I don't know if they're going to be able to do that unless they summarize something in one episode so that we can catch up with the rest so I mean we'll see uh i've never been good with like pacing and (laughs) and timetabling things out so um i would hope if we could get it would it would grind my gears if we got to the ant island and it's like oh we get the introduction like all right we'll see you next season oh my god that's what i feel like they're gonna do that that's what i think they're gonna do it's like here the ants coming out or they maybe they find you know the you know, they, they, they find who they need to find, like mm-hmm. who comes out of the, the yeah. you know, the, mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to end at that point and then leave us cliffhanged. And yeah. I'm like, why? Why? So I'm going to be with you, Courtney, when they do that. We can commiserate. Oh, I just, I, I'm going to find some wood to knock on and, and try and manifest a different ending. So hopefully not. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Well, I mean, that uh, that brings us to the dear end of our episode. Thank Brandon for us for hanging out. Yes. Um, and, and giving the, the insight and, and the energy and the good vibes. But um, you, you guys know uh, this is our first guest. We're so excited to have you, Amanda. And we really appreciate all of your insight and your list and uh, going over solo leveling with us. Um, where can the good people find you? Oh, thank you guys again for having me. It's always so much fun, especially because we all love the same things. And so it's just it's just fun to get together and nerd out. Um, and so thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, y'all can find me at Amandalorian on Instagram and threads. We have our couples cosplay account on at Brandalorian on Instagram, uh, where we just basically are sharing our con experiences and the different cosplays we we're doing. The last one we did was the um, Eric Draven version of The Crow. Uh, that that we did we got to do it in front of James O'Barr and Mark oh, Dacostas nice. which was really cool so mm-hmm. uh, so that was that was a lot of fun so mm-hmm. uh, so we share a lot of our and we have a lot of different cosplays in the works I think we're trying to like funnel out what we're going to do cosplay wise we have a lot of ideas so we're excited um, and so that's on Instagram and I am at Resner's Chick on X because I love Nine Inch Nails so hence <laughs> <laughs> the, the origin of my handle um, and of course, I am co-host of the Socially Distanced Podcast with Bill Botkin and Al Manorino. And we talk about all things pop culture all over the map. And of course, we just had her. Marshall was our guest for the NFC East group therapy <laughs> slash, you know, Super Bowl slash Usher halftime show episode. We are excited in here. We we did a great postmortem on our teams yeah. and, you know, where we're going and where we see ourselves going. So check that episode out. It's out now. And of course, I'm also the co-host of Anime Pop with Josh Sarnecki, where we geek out on all things anime, which we would love to have you guys. So we'll definitely coordinate for, for a future episode for hopefully timing works out. Um, but this this month, we will be also covering a little bit more in depth uh, the live action version of, of Avatar with, with, of course, with Bill and then my significant other, Brandon Vice, which I'll throw a plug out for him since he was so hey. gracious to listen. Hey. He's a big Avatar and solo, solo leveling nerd too. Um, but he is at Havoc, and that's H A V O K 1775 on X. And he is at Brandon Vice on Instagram as well and Facebook. Nice. Nice. Well, yeah, appreciate you. Appreciate you. We got to definitely find our way over to Anime Pop so that we can uh, discuss. But yeah, please, y'all, keep in mind that uh, you can find me on X. I have changed my name again. Uh, really, this is the first time in a long time, but it's back to the Marshall LP. That's the M A R S H A L L L P. Um, and uh, babe, are you gonna? Um, I really just X Neo Queen Celine. That's my little shout out to Perfect. Sailor Moon. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to be on um, the anime pop with you guys as well. Um, I always it's always a pleasure to have discussions with you and kind of I think talk about the more in-depth part of things uh, with with all of the shows that we like I I really whoever listens I just think it's good to get a little bit deeper and talk about like hey these shows actually matter and they have themes that like could help you out with your life and it's almost like therapy so uh, very excited I hope everybody listens to this episode and enjoys. Yeah. And quick shout out to the comedian Kev on stage who has started at his ripe old age of probably almost his forties now, but he started to watch anime and he's chronicling his experiences with attack on Titan. He's done, 
Uh, I think right now he's on um, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. He's also chronicled his experiences watching Death Note. So he's introducing a lot of people to anime and, and how amazing yeah, who otherwise these shows wouldn't. are. Who otherwise his wouldn't. fan base, yeah. So um, shout out to him. Uh, we got something special to take us out today. We will be playing a selection from Lo-Fi Avatar Radio, and you're more than welcome, you guys, to listen to it uh, just as you care to. I'm going to post the actual Lo-Fi playlist with the uh, posting of this episode. So if you guys want some really good work music or things like that, or you're just trying to relax, throw on some Avatar Lo-Fi. Amanda, anything before we go? That's it. Again, just thank you guys for having me. And um, again, we're excited. Hopefully we'll get you guys back on, on uh, of course, social distance. Obviously, we'll have you guys back because we love you guys. And hopefully we'll get you on, on Anime Pop. So thank you guys. Again, I always love having in-depth discussions. Uh, like you said, Courtney, it's great to do that. And I appreciate it. You guys are the best. If y'all are not following them on X, y'all should. Because some of my favorite content on X is from oh this gosh. fabulous couple right here. So. <laughs> we try. We try. All right, y'all. Well, that's it. Please tell your good folks that you love them. Make sure that you treasure all your time. 2024 is upon us. It is Aquarius season. And uh, we are ready for this birthday next week. I will be 36 years old. So next time y'all see me, make sure you say happy birthday. Otherwise, I love you very much. Goodbye.